This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Of a brand new week. I enjoy Halloween. And it's funny, I, I liked Halloween as a child. I enjoyed trick-or-treating and so forth. But uh, I think I may enjoy it more as I've gotten older. As there's less pressure, usually, about uh, what to dress up as, what you're going to do, and going trick-or-treating. And I am looking forward to uh, taking my son trick-or-treating for the first time uh, this afternoon and this evening. So hopefully he'll get uh, he'll get some good candy. And hopefully he will share some of it with his parents. All right. Uh, A lot to get to. First, let me begin uh, by saying a big hello to our our new listeners in Anchorage, Alaska. That's right. We are now being heard on AM 700 KBYR. In Anchorage, Alaska, KBYR is a terrific radio station with a wonderful history going back all the way to 1948. And uh, they've done some really creative things on that. And we are very, very lucky as our radio station, as our radio empire, and our radio footprint keeps expanding. Uh, Very, very lucky to be on a station like KBYR. I have never been to Alaska, but I have spent a good portion of the weekend doing all sorts of research on Alaska. And I'm the only one in my family that's never been to Alaska. My siblings have been there. My father and stepmother have been there. My mother was there. And uh, they went to they went to Glacier National Park, which certainly sounds like a lot of fun. They toured a salmon fishery place. They went whale watching. I mean, what other state can you do all of those things? And I must say, they brought me back some gin from an Anchorage distillery. I believe it was, uh, I don't remember the name. And yeah, I think it was just called Anchorage Distillery. And it was quite good, I must say. So um, my mother's longtime companion actually went on a helicopter tour And he said, you've never seen images like that and sites like that ever. So I'm looking forward to doing a market visit to Anchorage. But welcome aboard. And uh, just for the folks in Alaska, if if, if it takes you a little while to get into the show, it's an acquired taste. You got to just keep listening. That's the best way. That's the best recommendation I I can make for you. All right. The big news all over the country has to do with the assault on Paul Pelosi. Paul Pelosi, the husband 
of the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, attacked with a hammer. A couple of things uh, on this front. Um, I think this is one of those rare stories where almost everything the left is saying, not everything, but many of the things that the left is saying happens to be true. Many of the things that the right is saying happen to be true. And I have to tip my beret to my colleague, Curtis Slewa. I think he was doing some extraordinary coverage of this all weekend long and be at least willing to ask the questions that nobody else is asking. Now, the facts are this. The facts are we know that Paul Pelosi was attacked. We know that his attacker is um, going to be in court today. Other than that, there is a a whole bunch of other speculation. There's a story that keeps changing. Initially, it was reported that there were three people in the house. Then they said it was, excuse me, initially it was two, then it was three. Then even the police put out a statement saying that there were three people in the house. Then they said it was back to two. The assailant went around saying, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Uh, President Biden even cited that in some of the remarks that he made over the weekend. So um, they say this was not a random act. That's the word from the San Francisco police chief. They say that this was intentional. I think that's certainly true here. There's a whole controversy involving Elon Musk. I'll tell you, Elon Musk's been in charge of Twitter for three days. And all of a sudden, he's already uh, not doing anything to shy away from controversy. If you're not up on the Elon Musk aspect of this, he tweeted a link to an article um, from a site that doesn't have the best track record of publishing information, but the article basically alleges that maybe there was something else going on here. The article that Elon Musk linked to said uh, in words or substance that uh, this could have been a um, that David DePep, the person that was the assaulter here, maybe was involved in some sort of, uh, um, you know, a gay relationship with Paul Pelosi. And Musk is being hammered for this. He deleted that tweet. And so far, there's no evidence of that. But I think it's so interesting that even if you're Elon Musk, one of the wealthiest men in the world, you can't even tweet a question to something without folks raising holy hell. Now, that being said, Elon Musk should maybe think twice before uh, linking to articles with unfounded accusations. But all he said is... In his comment about the tweet, he says, maybe we don't know the full story here. And that's one question I want to ask you. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. The other thing is that I found very interesting is based on the official story that we know at this point, and I suspect over the course of the next couple of days, couple of weeks, couple of months, we'll learn more of this story and hear more details. They said that... um, Paul Pelosi told his attacker that he had to go to the restroom, which was where his phone was charging, and that's how he was able to call police. I do want people to keep in mind, because I went and researched this, and I was embarrassed I didn't know this myself. 
In New York, and I imagine this is true in most other jurisdictions around the country, and I think it is true in San Francisco as well, but in New York, if you're ever in a position where you're being held hostage, and this is important advice, especially given the uptick in crime that we're seeing in some quarters. If you're ever in a position where you're being held hostage or whether there's uh, somebody that uh, has a weapon that you're dealing with, you can also text 911. So they always say, call 911 if you can, but if you can't, if you're not in a position to talk, you can text 911 with that information. I wasn't sure of that before this. I went and looked that up after this Paul Pelosi thing. So that's uh, important for you to know. couple of things. The Republican and right-leaning corner of the world uses this as an example of the need to get tougher on crime. And I think that absolutely needs to happen. And as you see, progressive district attorneys like Kessa Bodine and uh, Alvin Bragg and George Gascon and uh, Larry Krasner and others make essentially not prosecuting certain crimes a badge of honor. I think the conservatives are exactly right to point that out. And I think, you know, it's worth bears repeating. I also think that the folks that say that we need to take the temperature down a little bit are exactly right. And I've been saying this for the entire time that I've been on this program. You listen to people talk about folks that they disagree with. They don't talk about them as the friendly opposition. They don't talk about them as folks that they don't want to vote for. If you listen to left-of-center people talk about Donald Trump, for instance, they talk about him as if he's evil. And you can't reason with evil. If you listen to people on the right talk about folks like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and, yes, Nancy Pelosi, they talk about them like they're evil, less than a human being. And the thing that you really need to keep in mind, that whatever your politics, you really need to understand that everybody that steps into the political arena, first and foremost, even if you disagree with them, is a person. And they are, are people just like you. They have families, loved ones, pets, folks they care about. And I just wish that whenever someone calls in and says, uh, oh, so-and-so is this, so-and-so is that, you keep in mind that these are people you're talking about. That's all that I would ask. In the case of Dave DePep, to me, this guy, if the official story is true, and if you want to weigh in on to whether as to whether the official story is true or not, you can. 800-848-9222. This fellow is clearly severely mentally ill. And one of his former lovers has even gone on the record as saying so. But uh, uh, there's such a temptation. There's such a temptation to label the people that do things that you don't like as this ideology or that ideology, the fact of the matter is this guy uh, is a nut. He's a nut. And he doesn't fit into the neat ideological conservative box that a lot of folks on the left are trying to 
put him into. Now, it's true he was against the uh, a lot of the COVID mandates and COVID restrictions. A lot of people on the left were also. Um, it is also true that he was involved in the uh, QAnon movement, apparently. But um, the, the QAnon is not something that I really consider right-wing. It's something that I really just consider totally fringe. Additionally, if you look at the cause that he was most passionate about over the course of the last eight or nine years, what was it? It was nudity. It was nudity. This guy was a nudist. He uh, officiated at a nude wedding. He lived for a time at a nudist colony. Now, I I don't know about you, but I don't remember Ronald Reagan or Mitch McConnell ever spending much time at a nudist colony or presiding over nude weddings. That's not something that right-wingers tend to do. He also was an enthusiastic embracer of marijuana legalization. And he flew proudly a a gay uh, flag, a gay pride flag. So this is not somebody that neatly checked every box for a Newsmax-watching, talk-radio-listening, New York Post-reading, red-meat-eating conservative Republican. The guy was a nut job. However, I think we as broadcasters, when you go on and on to talk about what a jerk someone is, we have a responsibility to realize that these are people and that there are all sorts of mentally ill people listening to us right now that could be inflamed by that kind of rhetoric. So it's funny. I read this one piece in The New Yorker. Uh, that said much more artfully than I just did how futile it is to try to race to label Nancy Pelosi's attacker. And it goes and says the the kind of rapid triangulation that uh, people love to do, and this reporter calls it Reddit profiling, it has become the Internet's emergency response for understanding men who do terrible things. And this reporter uh, traces it back to the Boston Marathon bombing. And all these folks, it chronicles all these folks who within hours of the attack were rushing to go on TV or go on social media and label this guy as a right winger. One of the, the hosts of the young, one of the hosts of the young Turks Uh, tweeted to more than a half a million followers. One, he was definitely right-wing. Two, he liked the fake left, especially Tulsi Gabbard. Three, he was horribly anti-Semitic. Now, I find that kind of behavior not... I, I find it almost as reprehensible and inflammatory as the kind of behavior that leads a nut job to attack, want to attack Nancy Pelosi and her husband. Because, you know, he loves to use the term right wing. I don't even know what these labels mean anymore. But uh, this guy I can never pronounce, it's like Chank Uger or something. Chank Uger, he has to recognize the fact that almost, I'd say, I don't know, 35% of the country views themselves as right wing. So why rush to label a violent, mentally ill attacker? to be associated with a political movement that millions of people are associated with. I mean, what good does that do? To me, it's needlessly inflammatory. Uh, So I thought that um, 
this New Yorker piece was uh, was very good. And I, I'll read this one piece from it, and then I want to take your calls at 800-848-9222. Journalists as a group have to believe that the act of writing can bring light to darkness, help our fellow citizens make sense of the world, and compose the first draft of history. The job, in many ways, is about converting chaos into cliches in order to satisfy the profession's cliches about its own importance. So how we ultimately choose to describe these violent men often betrays more about us than about them. The connections between mental illness, conspiratorial thinking, right-wing rhetoric, and violence are made in our heads, not theirs. The details of the house on Woolsey Street matter to the people who want to characterize DePape as a bombed-out hippie terrorist. They are less relevant to those who see him through his deranged online posts. So um, I really think people should keep that in mind. Those are, the, that, those are the two things that I hope everybody keeps in mind. One, folks should be nicer to each other. Folks should speak more kindly about one another. Two... There's no need. First of all, this guy doesn't fit the profile of your typical right winger. Three, even if he does, why would you go out of your way to try and alienate millions of people that adhere to that sort of political ideology? Doesn't make sense to me. And lastly, I don't think that asking questions about if there's more to the story, as Elon Musk was and as Curtis Lewa was and others. I don't think that makes you Alex Jones. If you say that this uh, hammer attack never happened and that Paul Pelosi never existed and that he's actually an act an actor, that makes you Alex Jones. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. You know it's funny. I, this this sort of overheated rhetoric goes on on both the left and the right. I mean, look. Uh, On the right, the best example is Donald Trump. I don't think you need to go any farther than that. Almost everything Donald Trump says is insulting towards someone or inflammatory in some respect. But it also goes on on the left. And Chuck Schumer, to his credit, I was watching the debate that he did with his Republican opponent, Joe Pinion, last night. And again, I wish the third party candidate, Diane Sayre, was included in that. But he actually says that some of the remarks that he made about Justice Kavanaugh were inappropriate, that he shouldn't have said it the way that he did. This is from last night's debate. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. All right, that actually wasn't from last night's debate. That was from uh, the, uh, the Supreme, when the initial remarks that I thought were overheated. This is from last night's debate. The words I used that day were probably the wrong choice of words, and uh, I said that then and say it now. So I give him credit for at least being willing to uh, take those words back, and hopefully everybody learns a little something from this. Uh, Amy Klobuchar was on NBC's Meet the Press. She is a senator from Minnesota. She's also uh, one of the people that's in charge of uh, currently, while the Democrats are in the majority, the Senate Rules and Administration. Here was Senator Klobuchar. I'll say this. This was a vicious attack meant for the speaker. Ends up hammering uh, the speaker's husband. And our prayers are with her and her husband, their kids, their grandkids. 
a vicious attack in which she has been villainized for years. And big surprise, it's gone viral and it went violent. And I think it's very important to note, as you mentioned, that Homeland Security warning, right. um, that this has been going on for years. The attacks on her and this group of MAGA extremists, uh, who, by the way, are putting up candidates on the ballot that Donald Trump supports, um, have been not ending when Donald Trump left office. Uh, they have been expanding into our politics. And many people have stayed silent during this time, not Liz Cheney, not Adam Kinzinger, within their own party. And I think it is really important that people realize uh, that it is not just this moment of right. this horrific attack, but that we have seen violence perpetrated uh, throughout our political system, people showing up at polling places, intimidating election officials. One in six local election officials have received threats of violence, doubling the number of threats against judges in just the last um, four in a four-year period. And then you've got, as you noted, elected officials in Congress, 10 times the amount of threats in a five-year period. This has to end. And there are several things we can do right. from the security standpoint. Uh, you know, look, I uh, certainly agree with Amy Klobuchar that a lot of the rhetoric that's been used has been inappropriate. But I think what she's doing there is part of the problem. She rushes to blame the right wing. She doesn't do anything to actually decry the folks on her own side. She doesn't do anything to talk about the folks on her side of the aisle that are adding fuel to the fire. And I think unless you're willing to do that, I don't think you have a lot of credibility. 800-848-9222. We will take your calls in just a moment. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Uh, talking about the attack on Paul Pelosi, 800-848-9222. Do you think there's more to the official story than meets the eye? And I'm wondering, do you think this will affect in any way the upcoming elections? I don't think so. I uh, think the people that were planning to vote for certain candidates, I don't think this does anything to change that. But you may disagree. 800 848 Nine two two two. Let us say hello to Peggy in New Jersey. Hello, Peggy. Hi, hi. How are you doing? Um, I hate when somebody says that, but anyway, the reason I think that this is going as far as it is, I think, because he was pulled over a couple of weeks ago for drunken driving, and I think if that wasn't the case, they would have probably hardly made anything of this. And it could have been that you know, when people drink, they you know drink too much, they start to fight, and it gets up can get ugly, and I. 
that could have possibly happened. Well, so, you know, so uh, that, take me through take me through your thinking, Peggy. So, w- what exactly do you think happened? So, you think he was drinking? Well, the fact that he was pulled over a couple of weeks ago for drunken driving, I think that probably made it, you know, more noticeable. Maybe they wouldn't have done so much today if it wasn't that he was. In, know, in terms was of so media clean. coverage. Yeah, I don't think it would have been if he wasn't pulled over for drunken driving. That kind of yeah, I, you know, I think um, I think that uh, he may. Uh, I think because he's the husband of the Speaker of the House, it likely would have been uh, just as big of a deal as it is now. But uh, but who knows? Uh, thank you, Peggy. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Tommy two times is in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, hello, Tommy. Hey, how you doing, Frank? How you doing? How you doing? Listen, um, I am concerned, and I also get angry that the the left, Democrat, the left, or whatever, has. It seems like they've been taken over by, um, you know, by like radicals, and I, even with the right too. Though I see what your point is about having to, you know, really look at both sides. So you know, I, I you know, they they have the media of of the left wing media, and they seem to be playing games with us. My concern is, uh, as a past uh, user of substances, I the possibility of him ha- found in her underwear. I'm thinking maybe they were a couple or something, but they might have been taking Molly. They might have been drinking. You know, Molly is a sexual drug and uh, or uh, ecstasy or something like that. And yes, 82 year old people do take that stuff. Oh, so what? What are you bracing that on? What? What? Uh, what? Well, pattern well i'm just it's a thought i'm looking uh, this guy is a little wacko Mm -hmm. um this david dupop is a peppy dupoppy and uh he was a member of a a nudist colony and i I know people on in that in those types of circles and yeah they always they a lot of them take the uh, ecstasy it does something to perform you better the pleasure of it is better i try to watch just so i'm clear uh what you're saying tommy is that Dave was taking the ecstasy or that Paul Pelosi was taking the ecstasy? You know what? I don't know much about Dave, Paul Pelosi. I mean, he's a drinker. He might have been just drinking. Maybe he didn't want to take the ecstasy. He is 82 years old. I mean, it's it's tough for all the people to take it, I, I would get. But, uh, you know, if you take it at the right dose, it's not going to kill you, but it'll be pleasurable. And I'm, I just worry about it, you know, that if if they're trying to cover up anything of that nature i can understand in terms of you want to keep that stuff private maybe it wasn't him maybe it was the third person in the house that possibly was there that mm-hmm. we don't know and you know maybe they're trying to protect that person i don't know but i would like to i would like to get more information and i don't like the fact that they shutting us down and it seems like i don't want to you know i don't want us to be sheep let's be lions you know let's get out there and and demand this information demand the truth um you know with the privacy thing, though, it's tough, you know. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Tommy, thank you. 800-848-9222. John is in Thornwood. Hello, John. Hello, Frank. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I was listening to a newscaster last night, and he was saying that there was, the police report was very sketchy. First of all, they never mentioned that it was a 911 call. They said it was a well well, checkup call. That was one thing. The other thing is, I'd like to know where Nancy, Nancy, Nance came from, because obviously the police weren't there when the guy broke in, so they couldn't hear him say Nancy, Nancy, Nancy. So where did it come from, Paul Pelosi? 
And well, that was um, my assumption. Uh, where, 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 what you doubt that that it was that it came from Paul Pelosi? No, no, I didn't get that. But I'm saying, how did anyone know if if supposedly this guy broke into the house? Which that was another thing that this newscaster, whose father is a was a former police commissioner, said that they never explained how he got in the house. And usually that's one of the first things you hear is, you know, so-and-so broke in. Or either you hear that it was there was evidence of a break-in or there's no evidence of a break-in and somebody got shot or killed or whatever. But, uh, you know, that was that was another thing you said that was very sketchy about it. And there were it really didn't go into a lot of detail. And he actually played he played uh, the news conference from the, or the, new, yeah, the news conference from the uh, police department was only about two minutes long. And and you basically heard the police saying this. And, and like you said, they never mentioned there was a 911 call. And they never mentioned how, how the guy broke, broke in. In fact, I heard somebody say he walked in the back door. That didn't come to that newscast. But, but and I've listened to you, to, uh, to Curtis, and everybody in between. And, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. And is it made up? I mean, I wouldn't put it past the Democrats all of a sudden touching it up with, oh, Nancy, Nancy, Nancy. Really? I mean, you know, I don't know. I, it just frustrates me. And I'm, I'm not a Republican. I'm an independent. And I've been independent since since I registered to vote. Yeah, I don't. Uh, years ago. Uh, uh, f- fair enough, John. Thank you. I, I would be surprised if uh, they just made up the Nancy, Nancy, Nancy aspect of it. I mean, I think uh, I think what's most likely is that this guy was targeting Nancy Pelosi because he's a nut job. I mean, I hate to characterize people that are battling mental illness in such um, in such disrespectful terms. But if the shoe fits. So I, I really I do think he was targeting Nancy Pelosi, but who knows? It doesn't mean uh, doesn't mean that if you raise a question about this that you uh, are going to be banished to Radio Siberia. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let me say hello to Al in Yonkers. Hello, Al. Yeah, hi Frank. Uh, good morning to you. You know I don't know if the story uh, that took place in the uh, Pacific Heights uh, section of San Francisco is accurate. The story is too young. We'll know uh, more as the week progressed, progresses. But uh, the situation is that the officers who, res- officers who responded, the sergeant and the two uh, plain clo- the two uniform officers, uh, they have body cameras. So that will tell us a lot as we move forward. And unfortunately, uh, if you're in the talent world. Uh, if you're in the public eye as a, a politician on a national scale, even locally, unfortunately, uh, emotionally disturbed people sometimes are more than sometimes are attracted to you and they could be violent towards you. I mean, look at what happened to uh, minority whip uh, Scalise in 2017. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, George Harrison in the late 90s, uh, somebody uh, penetrated to get into his compound and damn near killed them. So, uh, unfortunately, we live in a world that this happens. And I would say in regards to what the president said and the uh, senator from Minnesota about the, uh, you know, the right wing, I think it will not affect the elections and it probably will backfire on them. 
800-848-9222. I, I think when you say backfire, I, I, I mean, if it backfires on them, then it does affect the election. So I, I, you're kind of saying two different things there. I don't think it's going to affect the elections. But, um, you know, look, uh, I, I've been wrong before. 800-848-9222. David is in the Bronx. Hello, David. Good morning, Frank. I agree with you that this will not affect the elections. I can't see anybody changing their vote no, for something like this. Yeah. Um, but also, just something I'd like to point out, if the Pelosi's had been hypocrites on the Second Amendment, this would have ended completely differently because, because Paul Pelosi could have pulled out a gun and blown this guy away, and we'd be talking about something else. But, you know, I am disturbed by the speculation that I've heard on this station. And I don't know if you heard the call I had with your colleague, Curtis Lewa, yesterday, which he played a part of a few hours ago. But the, the type of stuff that is being propagated by certain people, some of your callers and some of the people on this station is irresponsible, hinting that Paul Pelosi could be involved in some type of homosexual affair or that there's drugs involved. There is no foundation for this type of speculation. And yes, we need more information, but we don't need to be pulling stuff out of our rear ends and making stuff up, which is what some people are doing. This is not right. Paul Pelosi, no matter what you think of his wife, did not deserve to be beaten to the point where he had to have surgery, which did happen which I want to make clear to some of your callers who have called into this station and said they don't believe anything happened. Do they think the guy's in the hospital for no reason? Yeah, I mean, well, and to your serious. point, David, to your point, even if, yeah. um, you know, even if they were involved in a relationship or whatever the case may be, he was still attacked, right? So it, to me, if you're, if however a guy ends up uh, in your house, either because he broke in or because he was invited in, if uh, the Speaker of the House's uh, octogenarian husband gets assaulted with a hammer, I, I think that's still a pretty big deal. Yes, and we shouldn't be having a discussion about whether it happened or not. I mean, this goes back to the polarization. That people – and it, it, listen, it happens on the left too, okay? I'm not going to make excuses for people on my side. Sometimes there's things that we sweep under the rug or ignore uh, to the detriment of everybody, and the people on the right are doing it right now, okay? We don't need to be speculating unless we get the information. Listen, like someone said, there's body cam footage. I'm sure the Pelosi's have uh, webcams or whatever in their place. We're going to get this. The guy hasn't even been arraigned yet, so why don't we just wait? And see. Thank you, Frank. I, I think that's a very sound philosophy. 800-848-9222. And uh, again, want to give a shout out to all of our great listeners in Anchorage, Alaska, and the surrounding communities listening on AM 700 KBYR. Uh, because Alaska is a very mysterious place. You know, even just a week or two ago, we did that segment on the Alaska Triangle, which is sort of their version of the Bermuda Triangle. And, you know, it's funny. A lot of people have gone to Alaska to create a new start for themselves in life, right? And one of the interesting things about the – I don't know if you saw the, the Breaking Bad movie, which was a sequel to Breaking Bad, El Camino. Very well done, I thought. But they have this one scene in which two of the characters are talking about Alaska as a place 
to start anew. Alaska. Yeah? Yeah, if I were your age, starting fresh. Alaska. It's the last frontier. Up there, you could be anything you want. Alaska. By the way, before I mentioned Glacier National Park, which I realize is in Montana, I meant to say Glacier Bay National Park. That is where my uh, my siblings had gone. Glacier Bay National Park and Preserve, which is similarly pretty neat. 800-848-9222. Dave is in California. Hello, Dave. Yes, Frank, thanks for the call. I disagree with the previous caller. We're here to discuss. Nobody said he didn't get hit with the hammer. We're discussing the circumstances. I'm of the belief that he was an invited guest. Um, Now, part of it does play into the fact of his DWI, that we know he drinks at 4 in the morning, he was pulled over, and reports are that there was a young man in the car with him at the time. So I'm of the belief he was an invited guest. The police never said that there was a break-in. They never said he broke in. They said they found him there. They were struggling over a hammer. Okay, now let's just operate under the premise that he was an invited guest. And so now he's busted. Well, that's a pretty big leap, though. I mean, it is, right? but, but, But maybe not. Maybe not. Because the police didn't say there was a break-in. Now, something else. He knew the guy's name. The dispatch said there's a guy there named David, and he's a friend. So are you telling me an intruder breaks in and goes, hi, my name's David? Right. No, I heard you mention that to Curtis. If that is what the dispatcher said, that is very suspicious. No, Curtis played it it over and over. He must have Mm -hmm. played it 20 times over the (laughs) Yeah, no, believe me. I heard it in my sleep. Yeah, so that I heard that dispatch call. So he knew the guy's name. Now, are you telling me that a guy's going to show up without a gun to the Pelosi house? He didn't even have the hammer. I believe that, that Paul Pelosi had the hammer. And now, so he breaks in, and it's 2.30 in the morning. Wouldn't Pelosi be upstairs sleeping? So you're telling me he gets out of bed, goes downstairs. There's the intruder. Oh, hi. I want to go to the bathroom. Sure, go ahead to the bathroom. I've got plastic ties to tie everybody up. Right. Go to the bathroom. Yeah. Maybe you pull a gun out of the drawer. No, I heard you so, say that to Curtis, and uh, okay. I, I think, I, I, I mean, look, that's very sound. Let it, me, go ahead. Thank you. Let me, let me move down this. So let's just say that he was invited. Okay, so here's what I'm saying. I'm of the total belief that the Democratic Party would say, uh-oh, now he's busted with the gay guy there. Say that he was screaming, where's Pelosi, where's Pelosi? Say he's a MAGA guy. Say it's like retribution for January 6th. Yeah, make up the narrative to turn people against the Republicans. Like Russian collusion. How much time did they spend making up this Russian collusion nonsense? And then CNN and MSNBC sells it. So, yeah, I'm of so, the total belief. So, Dave, that let me, um, that. you think that, um, I mean, he, clearly this guy has a history of saying wacky things online. You'd acknowledge that, right? Yes. For example, he had a Black Lives Matter um, banner hanging in right. his house. Okay. And, but but and so it is, it is right. I, I mentioned that. But it is possible that he could just be a nut job that w- wanted to assault Nancy Pelosi. Right. It is possible. Well, I believe that he's maybe a nut job. And keep in mind, it was two thirty in the morning. Bars close at two. 
everybody's drunk, you know, just because it's a nut job doesn't mean that, that Paul Pelosi doesn't pick up a guy to have fun with. And, yeah, he happened to be a nut, but that doesn't mean that they weren't there having a good time together. Then something went amiss. But, um yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you, Dave. Th- thank you. I don't think that um, I don't think that this is anywhere in line with Russia collusion or anything like that. Any sort of uh, Democrat conspiracy to make the uh, to make the right. Uh, I, I just don't see that. I don't think it's at all similar to that. What I do think is that you're seeing politicians use this attack on the right and the left, to score political points. That's what politicians do. That's a shame of it. And um, I look, and again, my view is, let's say Paul Pelosi was meeting this guy. Let's say he was just a friend, whether he was a friend or a guy that he met at a bar or whatever the case may be. He still was attacked with a hammer. <laughs> That's still a pretty big deal. So to me, if he was there uh, because he was an invited guest, as opposed to someone that broke in, and I'm sure these are details that we'll hear from the police in short order, that doesn't change much of anything. And I think it still underscores my belief that people need to be nicer to one another. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. about the road to Alaska. And a big shout out to all of our new Alaska listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you will make the most of this program. 800-848-9222. Couple of quick updates. Uh, you remember eight days ago, I, well, you, you don't remember because we weren't together last Sunday, but we were together last Monday. Eight days ago, I learned from my wife that she had a sore throat. Now, she's essentially had a cold the entire week. The entire week. And a runny nose and so forth. But it began with a sore throat. First I heard of it was on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening of last week. When she came back from uh, kind of a, a girls weekend. And uh, I have been fighting off a cold ever since. Vitamin C, Balance in Nature, Zycam, Airborne, vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin B12. I take a lot of supplements anyway. 
That's it's, it's the only way I could uh, maintain these hours is to take a, all these supplements, which ostensibly give you energy. Do they work? Do they not work? I don't know. But in my brain, they work. So at least they ha- I have the placebo effect going for me. And then in the meantime, uh, throughout the course of the last week, our babysitter, Lorraine, she's got a cold. Our um, our um, producer, Alex Barnard, he actually had to call out sick on Friday. He was feeling so poorly. He's back uh, today and seems to be feeling a lot better. And um, my son even has a runny nose. So he, he, ha- he can't formulate speech yet. So he hasn't said that uh, he hasn't said that he's sick. But, you know, the runny nose is an indication that he might be. And then lo and behold... It happened. Sunday morning, I get up, and then for the first time, I notice I have a slight sore throat. Yes. So I have, it's funny, I did experience a little bit of um, heartburn on Saturday, and I did what you're not supposed to do. Remember, I had an experience with acid reflux maybe about six or seven months ago, and I discovered it because I had a sore throat, and it wasn't going away. And I went to the do- a doctor and this doctor. They said, nothing wrong with your throat. They said it could be acid reflux. So I cut out all the foods and drinks that lead to acid reflux. Now, unfortunately, I've been slowly putting them all back into my life. And um, so Saturday, I did have some coffee, which is not good for acid reflux. I did have some whiskey, which is not good for acid reflux. I think um, I had some tomato sauce, also not good for acid reflux. So I was actually in the odd position of waking up Sunday morning and hoping that the very beginning of my sore throat, that that sore throat was due to acid reflux and not to it being the beginning of the cold. But we'll see. Only time will tell. Uh, Today is Halloween. Looking forward very much to trick-or-treating with my son Carmine. He has uh, two costumes. One is a pumpkin, and it's funny. This was the outfit that my brother Nicholas wore for his first Halloween when he was a tyke, when he was about a year old. So it has aged well through the decades. And so we're going to do our neighborhood. And then my mom also got him a pig Costume. So we're going to go then to her neighborhood and do some trick-or-treating there. And uh, we'll see how much Carmine... Uh, I could see him liking it or not liking it. Quite frankly, it really depends on his uh, on his his mood and his nap. So we'll get into that. And the, um, the laptop situation, and I'm not talking about Nancy Pelosi's laptop. I'm talking about my own. The laptop situation is looking quite grim. So far, our folks have been unable to get it, get it working, and I think I'm just going to have to break down and get a new one. I'm going to take it to a place this week and see if they can at least try and get some of the, the data off of that. So that's that. Hey, um, last thing I'll give you an update on is I told you about Kanye West's school, Donda Academy, and how they were closing in the aftermath of the uh, Kanye West anti-Semitic scandal. One of the things that I did not mention in denunciations on Friday is that Donda Academy's closure left the program's student-athletes in limbo. 
it w- wasting a season's worth of developing their talent. Apparently, that boys' basketball team at Donda Academy, those players had essentially been put on ice, and it could potentially really hurt them with going to a college to play basketball there. So now what we're hearing is that Donda Academy is going to be reopening its doors. So I I think that's good, irrespective of what you might think of Kanye West, and I don't have a high opinion of him. uh, It's terrible to see these students and these athletes punished when they didn't do anything wrong. So it looks like that uh, school will continue, and though Kanye West, although, I mean, I don't know how much of what Kanye West says that you can actually take seriously, because he's sort of all over the place. Kanye West did hint that they were looking at a new location, possibly in Texas. So we'll see. We'll see where that goes. So that's the latest. Hopefully you're caught up now. 800-848-9222. Still fighting off a cold, trying to track down a laptop, and... Keeping an eye on Donda Academy. Let me say hello to Tony in Clifton. Hello, Tony. Hey, Frank. Thank you for the updates, a.k.a. breaking the action. How are you tonight? Great, great. It's good to talk to you. So listen, so I know you're interested in Alaska. That was one of, and you've you've never been, right? Never been, no. So I always said I would go there on my honeymoon, but that never happened. And I always wanted to go. But one of my favorite um, things that I would love to watch is, I don't know if you ever saw it, the Northern Exposure. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. The original Northern Exposure. I didn't watch the uh, the reboot. Right. So the original one is something that it's really a great story because he's actually a, um, a doctor who graduates from Columbia University and his name is Dr. Do- Joel Fleischman. And he thinks he's going to probably Anchorage with his, um, you know, his first job. And he winds up in a tiny Alaskan village called Cecily. Your, your listeners might know where yep. that is. And it was just such, the people there were so cool and it's just a great, it's a great DVD if ever you sort I don't know. of get and, little... and, you know, it's funny, the radio station that one of the characters owns on that show, the, the former astronaut, is KBHR, and uh, we're now on KBYR. So it's very funny that the radio station that we're on is very similar to that Northern Exposure radio station. Great people. I mean, from what I've seen of them, they're amazing. I also heard that we had a neighbor who was like close to 90, and she called us in one day. She said, come upstairs. I have something for you. She went to Alaska, and she put some whiskey for us. She got in this great whiskey, which I've never tasted such good whiskey. So I think there's something to be said about their whiskey. It's amazing. Yeah, well, this uh, gin that I got, I haven't tried the whiskey yet, but this gin that I got from this uh, distillery in Anchorage was quite good. Thanks for the call, Tony. By the way, if uh, any Anchorage listeners are looking to get in our good graces, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if you send a little little whiskey over uh, our way. So that's that. All right, 800-848-9222. Those of you that are holding, we're going to get to you. Uh, There's some fun stuff we're going to do. It's not going to be all hammer attacks all day long. And uh, we'll uh, do commendations coming up. We'll talk aliens next hour as well. And on Thursday, something really wild happened. And I didn't even believe that it happened. 
which is why I didn't talk about it Friday. I'm going to tell you in mere moments. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. for years what the motto of the New York State Lottery was. I think they did away with it. I think they changed it. But for years, decades, I think, the motto, and a very clever bit of marketing from the New York State Lotto people was... Hey, you never know. And boy, ain't that the truth. I received an email at um, about 90 minutes before we went on air... Friday morning. And the email was so strange that I said, no, I'm not going to mention this because it looks legitimate, but can't be. Hey, you never know. All right. Now, I, I find this story absolutely wild, and I don't think it got nearly enough attention. Everyone I spoke to about this story hadn't heard about it over the weekend. And I'm talking very well-informed people. So, and initially, I was only going to speak about this locally in New York, but I honestly think that people around the country are interested in this. Listen carefully and tell me if I'm right. I received an email from uh, a fellow that works uh, on our network, Darren, great sales guy, Darren Broderson. And he says, new subject, New York Lottery Take 5. Did this really happen? Question mark. And he sends me, I guess he's got a lottery app, which tells you the winning lottery numbers. And he sends me the midday winning numbers for Thursday, October 27th. The five midday winning numbers were... 18, 21, 30, 35, 36. And then in the same image, he sends me the evening winning numbers. The five, the take five evening winning numbers were 18, 21, 30, 35, 36. What? The same five numbers for the midday lottery drawing were selected for the evening lottery drawing. And this is the reason that I didn't talk about this on Friday, because I didn't think that that could be true. I thought this was something... You never know. I thought this was something that was Photoshopped. I thought this was something that somebody kind of made up. And sure enough, that's it, according to the lottery website. And it's interesting, the midday drawing, do you know how many people got all five numbers? Zero. There were no winners for the midday drawing. For the evening drawing, there were 52 winners that matched all five numbers. I find this 
remarkable. And now I'm not the only one. Uh, our news director, Noam Layden, reached out to the lottery people to get a list of winners and to get a comment. They sent out a statement. The New York lottery can confirm that the same number combination occurred for the Take 5 game for the midday and evening drawings on October 27, 2022. The results from the mechanical draw machines and game processes of both drawings were properly vetted and verified by on-site independent auditors. The odds of matching all five numbers in Take 5 are 1 in 575,757. Statistically, and I hate when people say this, but this is what they said, and I guess technically it's true. Statistically, there is no relation between the numbers drawn across drawings. So the odds of a given set of numbers occurring in any Take 5 drawing are 1 in 575,757. Now, okay, I get what they mean, but it's ridiculous. I mean, the same five numbers, a 1 in 575,000-plus chance happens one right after the other, and the best that they can say is that there's no correlation, no relation between numbers drawn across drawings? Come on. I find this very suspicious, and I don't know what happened here. I don't pretend to know what happened. I mean, is that pure chance? I mean, what are the odds? I guess. Hey, you never know. I guess the odds are one in five hundred seventy-five thousand seven hundred fifty-seven. But to happen twice in a row, I don't know. I, I don't know. I find it very weird. Hey, you never know. Now, it's not as if this is a Powerball uh, drawing where it pays for somebody to. To fix the game somehow, which we've seen before. There was a, a very, uh, there was a movie with uh, John Travolta and Lisa Kudrow uh, where they uh, where they fixed the lottery. It's called Lucky Numbers. So, and it's based on a true story. That has happened. But the people that won the evening drawing, they won about $750 each. So it's not, no one got wealthy doing this. Are you as suspicious as I am, or just this just happen? Is this just kind of the nature of what happens in gambling and in lotteries? What do you think? 800-848-9222. We're going to talk with Dr. Turi in a bit. Uh, he's sort of a modern-day Nostradamus who uh, has a pretty impressive track record of making predictions. He's also a certified hypnotherapist. And a guy, um, you know, he's from... Provence, France, and he just has a very, even if you think everything he says is nonsense, he has such a soothing voice that, I don't know, I find him very, very fun to listen to. So we'll get into that in just a bit. 800-848-9222. I'd love to know your thoughts on this Take 5 lottery coincidence. 800-848-9222. You have a theory on this, Matt Place? Hey, you never know. That's it. That's it. Uh, you're also welcome to comment on this Paul Pelosi thing, which is also pretty fascinating. Let me read you 
the last three messages on Instagram that I got, and you can find me on Instagram at Morano Vision. If you ever, uh, by the way, if you go to my uh, Instagram, you could see I took my son Carmine voting Saturday. It was his first election day, and uh, you you tell me this kid's not a natural politician. First of all, he's I, again, obviously, I'm biased, but he's handsome as a whip, right? He's holding the pen that we used to vote because we wrote in several candidates. He's holding the pen that we used to vote. He's giving a thumbs up and smiling at the same time while I'm holding him. I mean, you talk about a guy that's got a bright political future. It's young Carmine. But anyway, you can message me on there if you want. And this one fellow messages me. Uh, keep in mind, I spent a big portion of the last hour talking about how I think it's important that we need to be nicer to one another, that we need to kind of take the temperature down a little bit in this country, how all sides need to try not to inflame one another. This is what this guy writes to me. The key to the Pelosi story is the fact he was nude. Gay lover story, that's it. Pelosi has nothing to do with it. You can't possibly be that stupid. Have you, he continues, message two, have you heard from any of the doctors yet? The answer is no. If he was attacked with a hammer, he would be dead. He's 82 years old. His skull is mush. Last message, you're really showing how stupid you are. I feel sorry for your kid. That's well, right, Frank. So you're not so smart. <laughs> so, Matt, um, hopefully if young Carmine is in the need, is in need of more enlightened wisdom, Perhaps you can be his tutor. So we'll see. Um, it is interesting. It is interesting. I think there's a lot about this story that's, uh, uh, you know, I, again, uh, the police dispatch that Curtis cited is um, making the rounds where they say his name is David and he is a friend. So uh, Dinesh D'Souza, for whatever it's worth said, uh, tweeted the following a day ago. Paul Pelosi knew his attacker and named him in his 911 call. Media accounts are suppressing this key fact. Listen to the call and you can verify it for yourself. We are not, I repeat, not getting the full story on this. What do you think? 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to Jackie in Maryland. Hello, Jackie. Yes. Hi. The lottery was fixed at one time. They shot with a hypodermic water uh, needle, water in the balls. And it was the people that were running the lottery. And the, their mistake was they all had the money to split. Well, so it was, was fixed. Yeah, no, that is, uh, that is exactly the plot of the movie Lucky Numbers. Uh, so, yeah, it came from Philadelphia. Yeah, no, that's right. And um, in the show, I think it's, um, you know, it's Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. But, yeah, that's exactly right. So it has happened. Do you think that's what happened here? Yep. How would they I do watched the balls. Well, I watched the balls very closely because I'm, I'm, I don't play the lottery, but I like to watch it. And the balls that bounce around real high, they're the ones that are not injected. But the balls that, you know, sort of like stay down the bottom and it's hard for them to get up into the suction. And I've seen it a couple times on the uh, lottery drawings. 
Well, uh, just watch your balls. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's always good advice, whether it's lottery yeah. time or not, Jackie. Right? Yeah, w- yeah. Watch the balls, but it was fixed. How would they fix it um, this time around? They claim that uh, the the machines were audited and vetted and verified. It's the people. All right. It's the people that audit and vet it because they were the same people in Philadelphia that got arrested, were audited and vetted the machines. Very interesting, Jackie. We will see. You know, um, may, look, so 54 people won. Is it possible that maybe 54 people were in on this, right? Maybe they made a conspiracy to all play the same numbers and have those numbers come out a second time. I find the chances of this happening astronomically low. I know they say it's the same chances every time. I get it. But it's the same way. Like, you know, I hate roulette, but um, I, I don't hate it, but... The odds are not in your favor. I try to avoid playing it, and of course I always do, and I always lose my money. Same thing with Baccarat to some extent. You know if it's black, six spins in a row. Statistically, it's the same chance of coming out black, red, or green. But kind of the gambler's mentality is that it's more likely to be red again. Now, again, that's a flawed way of thinking, but it kind of makes sense. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Michael is in Brooklyn. Hello, Michael. Um, Frank, I love your show. Thank um, you. Um, I know you're a big-time uh, horror movie guy. Um, have you ever seen, especially on Halloween, the movie Basket Case? Uh, no, I've never seen it. Tell me about it. Oh, you got you got to look that up. I think that's right up your alley. Really? So, uh, give it. Give us the uh, Reader's Digest version. Okay, it's it's such a bizarre movie. Um, it's it's. I I don't want to give the plot away, but uh, it's a classic. It's a cult classic, which you would love. It's about uh, a guy who's born um, with like like a Siamese twin by his side Hmm. and they cut off that side of the body. And then this guy just terrorizes the neighborhood. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, How old a picture is it? Um, you can look it up. I'm not sure. It definitely was back in maybe early eighties. I will uh, I will check it out. Yeah, I'm looking it up now. Apparently, there was a couple of them. Yeah, the first one was back in 1982. It looks interesting. I will check it out. I will check it out. Thank it's, you. It's a classic. You would definitely get a, a lot of good laughs out of it. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Yeah, you know, we'll talk a little more about uh, horror movies a little bit later as well. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to... Uh, Jennifer in Boston. I heard Jennifer talking to my colleague Dominic Carter earlier. She had some interesting insight on this. Hello, Jennifer. Hey, Frank. A couple of quick things before I make my point, if I could. First of all, I saw a picture of Carmine. I finally remembered to try and take a peek at him. He is absolutely delicious. Oh, oh my God. Well, beautiful. thank you. Thank you. It's just he's darling. And um, so, and I also wanted to say congratulations on your new affiliate. So, thank you very um, much on both both. Well. You do a good job. You deserve it. So, okay. Um, um, 
regarding the thing with um, the Pelosi's, um, my only thing is, and obviously, no one, I, let's just state that any type of violence is just horrific, especially on an elderly person. Sure. You know, whatever the circumstance was that led to him being hurt, it's horrible. It's inexcusable. So whether the person is just demented overall or whatever, you know. But my thing is this. I, you know how we all hear different things. I only heard this on the news. I didn't hear it from a talk show. I heard it on the news that the police said that he got in through, uh, he broke glass on the back door and got in. Either a back door or a window. I heard both actually on the news. So that said, and this is the point I tried to make to Dominic. How could you be third in line to the presidency of the United States of America, <laughs> live in a $6 million mansion? And um, not have like a simply safe thing, because as you know, if you have a, any half decent alarm system, if that alarm goes, that's going to signal to the police. Yeah. You know what? That was uh, the first thing that I thought as well is that um, I if um, is I don't understand how security could have been so lax, which is why, you know, I know David and a couple of other people are making people that are questioning the official narrative of what happened they're making it sound as if they're you know uh, if they're they're crazy and paranoid and i don't think that's an unreasonable thing to ask is why yeah, is yeah. why is the security so inadequate i mean although we we've seen from nancy pelosi's handling of the january 6th situation yeah. that maybe adequate security is not necessarily high on her priority list yeah, and I will say, too, because if that is the truth of it, if that's actually what happened, talk about a risk to national security. Someone could scoop her up in like a minute. Some, you know, remember those guys from Iran that they sent back that were doing all that, had all that uh, spy equipment and everything down in D.C. this year? Do you remember that? Yes, earlier? absolutely. So, I mean, we never know who's out there or what they're trying to do. So, I mean, if this fool can get in there, it's just, and also people have to remember whether it's David or anyone else. Um, you know, the Democrats right now are fully using this to their advantage because from from jump, they were all about uh, political, you know, uh, Biden's out there blaming it on politics. Yeah, no, that was really unfortunate. And uh, and I don't think we'll do anything to calm things down in the country. Jennifer, a great insight. Yeah. Thank you very Thank much. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Thanks also for the compliment on uh, young Carmine. John is in Freehold. Hello, John. Hey, Frank. Um, just, uh, I just wanted to give you a Russian remedy for to get rid of a cold that works 100% of the time. Let, uh, let's hear it, yeah. Yeah, so you take a, a glass of wine. Um, it has to be a Concord grape. You bring it, you put it on the stove and bring it to just the point where it's about to boil, but don't let it boil. And drink it warm, drink it hot. After you drink it hot, go to bed, wrap yourself in a blanket. After night two, you, you'll you sweat out all the cold. All right. Hey. 100% of the time. I will uh, be happy to try that, John. It, it sounds like kind of a fun thing to do, even if I don't end up having a cold. John, thanks for the call. 800-848-9222. Irene is in Queens. Hello, Irene. Irene? Irene. Irene is no longer with us. 800-848-9222. Rick is in Port Jervis. Hello, Rick. Hey, uh, 
Frank, I agree with Jennifer. She kind of said exactly what I would have said. She's third in line to the presidency. How does she not have security? She lives in Pacific Palisades, not in Newark. You know, this story, the guy was let in. I, I just I have a hard time believing, especially after all the security security concerns they're making out of January 6th. It, it, it's, it doesn't wash. I think the guy was let in. Well, it it is possible, Rick, right? I mean, uh, based on the... Um, it's very possible. Yeah, based on the look nine... At what, look, at, look at what the Secret Service did with John F. Kennedy and all his girlfriends. It was all covered up for years. How about Ted Kennedy, what he did? Nobody found out the truth about that. Are you talking about with Chappaquiddick or other things? Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. that's not to say that somebody getting hit in the head with a hammer is, is a nice thing. That should well, never not. happen. Right, right. I, I, mean, I, think, I think this is an, somebody that they knew that they let in. It just How can you be third in line to the presidency and not have security? Yeah, Rick, and, you're right. Like uh, you're right. shield I, I, or something. I, no, Come exactly. I, look, I have a ring camera. If somebody tried to do this at my house, it would automatically send a signal to the police and the police would come. Right. So you're going to tell me uh, Frank Morano, who no one knows, has uh, more adequate security than the Pelosi's. It's it's it does seem strange. But as you said, Rick, and, and thanks for the call, Rick, as you said, ultimately, the problem here is, I mean, whether he was let in or whether he broke in, he still hit this guy in the head with a hammer. I mean, it's still something that is cause for concern. And you still have a lot of people trying to politicize this on both sides. I guess that's the nature of things. 800-848-9222. Frederick is in Manhattan. Hello, Frederick. Oh, Frank. Hello, Frank. Great show. Thank you. Yes. uh, uh, The previous caller, I think, um, and someone else before got it right. Um, Surely there was security um, at the Pelosi's house. And this person was obviously invited in. It was all of the signs point to some sort of, you know, gay encounter, probably involving drugs. Things got a bit out of hand and, you know, someone, someone produced a hammer, that kind of thing. But, you know, MSNBC and CNN are sort of running with this narrative about how it's got something to do with January 6th. And they're, like, running the footage of like of like people, someone in, in in the Capitol building shouting, "Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy?" And and there's and actually there's no reason to think that that this person said, "Where's Nancy?" It wasn't reported um, in in the press conference. The police never mentioned it. It was CNN, I believe, on Saturday, who suddenly came up with this idea that a source told them that that, that this person said, "Where's Nancy?" It it, it you know so. The, the, what we're being told is just is just. I think it's a pack of lies. What I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying, CNN and MSNBC, and I think most people now are getting to smell fake news when they when they when they see it, and they can see that this is propaganda. But, well, but that's that matter. Another issue: Did you hear about Liz Trust? Did well, you hear? I heard that she's this? out and lost to a head of lettuce. <laughs> yes. Yes. But she, okay, this is being reported, uh, she te- uh, texted uh, Secretary of State Blinken minutes after the Nord Stream pipeline was blown up. It's done. Right? And so apparently the Russians, they had hacked her phone with some Israeli spyware, and they were seeing her text messages. And they, they, they are saying 
that the British, the British are right, responsible right. for Nord Stream, the blow up. Well, look, uh, I have seen the uh, story about the phone hack. There's so much di- disinformation uh, on this Russia-Ukraine situation that I'm a little, I'm a little reluctant to believe anything unless it's uh, confirmed multiple times. But um, they have called, and I think the Labor Party has called for a probe into the hacked phone of Liz Truss. So let's see where that oh, okay. goes as well. Frederick, 800-848-9222. Dr. Turi is waiting in the wings. Let me say, let me get a quick comment, though, from Denise on Long Island because she's been holding a while. Hello, Denise. Hi, Frank. Hi. First of all, Frank, I agree with your opening comments. I think they were very constructive and everyone should listen to them. Thank you. And it's good advice in general for people, by the way. Yes, uh, both sides. And I agree with you. There's a lot of inflammatory comments. But in this particular instance, this is a very high-profile case. But until the facts are in, nobody should make a judgment call on anything. But what I find very disturbing is that you even said inflammatory comments are out of line on both sides. So I find it very upsetting and disturbing that one of the first people to make an inflammatory comment is the president of the United yeah, States. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, the first thing out of his mouth is brings up January sixth, Nancy, 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 Magna liberals. I mean, enough is enough, Frank. You know, we're never going to bring this country together if the president, starting at the top, is the first one to come out and make a comment like that. Yep, uh, Denise, and it's a it's a great point. A great point. Thank you, Denise. I have to run. Doctor Turi is here. Uh, he's going to give us some predictions. If you have not yet heard Dr. Turi, if you are new to our program and this is your first time, if you're thinking about going to bed right now, you can forget about that. What you need to do, your radio, your uh, smartphone, your computer, whatever device you're listening to us on, you need to turn up the volume because the conversation you're about to hear is absolutely fascinating. That's a guarantee. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. The Other Side of Midnight presents The Midnight Files. about a lot more than candy and horror movies. Halloween is a time where many of us think about what goes on 
with the spirit world. Is the supernatural possible? Is it possible to see things beyond the world as we know it? And as a guy that spends a lot of time thinking about those issues, exploring those issues, and teaching a new way of thinking about those issues to others is Dr. Turi. He is a fifth-kind UFO contactee, also happens to be a clinical hypnotherapist, a motivational speaker, and an author who has a, a pretty lengthy track record of making some bold predictions, many of which have turned out to be pretty accurate. Dr. Turi, it is great to talk with you again. Thanks for joining me on Halloween. You bet. Thank you so much for having me on the program again, my good friend. Thank you, Frank. Uh, no, the pleasure is mine. Now, uh, Dr. Turi, we're going to uh, talk about some things that uh, folks may find a little odd or a little out of the mainstream. But um, before folks dismiss us both as uh, as some sort of uh, crackpots or something, you actually have pretty serious academic credentials, don't you? Tell folks about your background as a doctor. Well, basically, I got my uh, doctorate from the uh, Light Church in Sacramento, in California, which is recognized by the Board of Education. I have a degree in engineering. I am also a certified welder. I am a proud boat captain with all the endorsement. And the list goes on and on and on. This is due to my Gemini dual nature, like you. I'm a versatile, gifted person. Thank you for the compliment, by the way. Absolutely. Now, um, you make a lot of predictions. You make more on-the-record concrete predictions these days than I think just about anybody that I know. Just so folks know your methodology, what is the source of your predictions? How do you come to the – and we're going to try and pin you down on a couple of predictions this morning, but how do you come to make these predictions? Well, I translate God's cosmic design. Um, I, I translate the hieroglyphs and how God speaks to us by using astrology and not just regular modern astrology, but Nostradamus 16th century divine astrology, which was downloaded to me during one of my many UFOs experiences. When we think of people that have had interactions with UFOs or extraterrestrials, I think what many of us think about is uh, someone like um, uh, Betty Hill or Travis Walton, where this person is abducted, often usually against their will, and then they have an encounter with someone on a spaceship or something along those lines, and then they are returned back down to Earth. You have had a different type of uh, UFO contact experience. Tell folks the nature of your interactions with with extraterrestrials? Well, there is two groups of extraterrestrials. The good one, which are the draconis, which are feeding humanity with the forces of the sun. And then you have the reptilius, which are uh, actually feeding on fears, negativity, chaos, and all sorts of uh, uh, fluid that is very detrimental. The reptilians reside on the planet, which has been hijacked, hijacked if, if that is something that makes sense to people. And this planet is called Pluto, which is called the Lord of Hell. And from this planet, through dark matter, they interact with the human psyche. 
and they turn them into a lunatic, crazy, depressive drug addicts. And that is the reason why this world is so out of order when you look at it. While the draconis, on the other hand, are much more, much more progressive. I call them the gardeners of planet Earth. And those entities are battling each other's constantly above our heads. And that is something, of course, that demands a little bit of reflection and education to really assimilate, understand, and even accept the reality of my claims. Speaking of your claims, and we're talking with Dr. Turi, if people are interested in uh, learning more about his work, you can go to drturi.com. That's D-R-T-U-R-I.com. A ton of fascinating stuff uh, on there, even if you're not a believer in cosmic consciousness or hypnotherapy or UFOs. It's still just interesting reading. I encourage everyone to check it out. But, uh, Dr. Turi, you um, you have indicated that you predicted this attack on Paul Pelosi that we've been talking about. What exactly did you predict and when? Well, let me trace you back a little bit. Um, one month before the formation of Yan, I gave the exact date when it would hit Florida. And that can be proven, of course, if you watch my YouTube video or read my newsletters. But as far as uh, um, the latest uh, development, again, um, we are we were going through what you call a negative plutonic window. This is the red carpet of the reptilians, which stimulate those people who have been uh, indoctrinated and use drugs or alcohol, and uh, they become very, very active during those negative cosmic winds. So when I saw those cosmic winds. I prepare the world for something very, very dramatic. And I also mentioned very clearly that the reptilians are after governmental figures. They are after the cops, the police, and mostly they are after children. The next thing you know, 150 kids got killed in uh, in South Seoul, in uh, South uh, North Korea. So South Korea, I believe, uh, a couple of days ago during those negative windows. But it's only if you keep an open mind, it's only if you investigate and pay attention to my work, especially my dates and my windows, that you will come to realize that, that I do translate God cosmic design, that I do understand Jesus' initial cosmic ministry, which was to use the stars to warn humanity. Because again, God created the stars and the heavens more than for the sake of beauty. He gave them to us for interpretation so that we may lead a safe and productive life. And that's how I work. Are you predicting that there will be additional attacks on politicians? Oh, absolutely. I want you to write it down right now because I like to put the green where the mouth is. So write down November the 7th and November the 22nd. Now, during those upcoming window, again, of November 7th and 22nd, you are going to see very, very dramatic happening involving the police, involving crazy people, killing everybody, Um, uh, school shooting, dramatic death of very famous people. Uh, You're talking about... uh, those dates where the reptilians will be extraordinarily active. So I repeat myself, 
November 7, November 22nd. Um, and on November the 12th, while we were at it, expect the beginning or ending of important phases of life, the government making important decisions. That will also touch you at a personal level, if you remember, of course. And on November the 28th, I see earthquakes, I see surprises and news about nukes or technology, all sorts of things that the, the reptilians are going to uh, curse humanity with. Again, I, I emphasize the negative side of my work because I have to go where people are in their own cosmic ignorance. And, and many of these people are going to pay the price for not understanding how God speaks to us through the sign. So uh, on November 7th, for instance, what sort of thing are you predicting may occur? Again, anything and everything that involves the police, drama, death, news directly from Russia will come to us. This is uh, a window where anything you say, anything you do, will stay with you for the rest of your life. If you're lucky, you'll get a wake-up call. If you're unlucky, you're going to lose your job or you're going to get killed. That's exactly what I'm referring it on November 7 and November 22nd. Just watch the news. And I am going, I'm always writing newsletters and keeping thousands of people who are following me uh, on my predictions. And I will refresh their memory of the dates I gave on your show just to prove my claim. But I'm ahead of time. And that's what you got to do. Be patient, pay attention, because my predictions are well documented. They are dated and now they are on your show. The question is, if you're skeptical, you have the right to be skeptic, but wait until November 7th and the 22nd, and then you may have to reevaluate how you feel about my gift or my curse or my UFO predictive legacy. Well, uh, that's exactly what I was going to ask is, uh, I was going to ask, how do you reassure the skeptics that you have credibility? And essentially, it sounds like your answer is just wait and see if your predictions are accurate. Well, they can also check my past. They can check my prediction of 9-11. They can check the prediction of Katrina. Uh, Ian, as I said, the months before his formation, I give the exact date, the exact date when he was going to hit Florida. And I kept harassing literally all of my followers, uh, reminding them. I also, for months, told everybody, be ready in January 2022, Russia, and Putin will make some very dramatic negative move because Putin is reptilious infected. Reptilious infected means that he is slaving for uh, entities that he has no idea, that he's not aware of, and he's just responding to what I call the reptilious effect. He's being negative. This energy that we are going through now uh, has, has literally touched the world early January. That is when Putin invaded Ukraine, and he's going to be going all the way to August 2023. And this energy energy that we are in now is absolutely negative, is resentful, is revengeful, is deadly. And, and that's why uh, 
all the people, especially on the, on the political front, are treating themselves literally like animals. There is no respect. There is only one drive. That is to maintain power or reach power. And if that means lying, cheating, killing, who cares? All these people are cosmic and conscious. They are oblivious of the forces that I'm trying to explain to you and to the audience uh, that are extraordinarily powerful and extraordinarily real. And, um, you know, what seems like whenever we speak, and if people just tuning in, we're talking with Dr. Turi, you could check out his website, drturi.com. It seems like whenever we speak, you're always warning us about dire predictions, about bad news, essentially. Can you give anybody in our audience uh, any reason to be optimistic? Is there any good news that's on the horizon? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, humans, uh, people have to realize that the part of God in us is much stronger than the stars and the reptilians, put it this way. But if you're not aware of what I'm saying, or if you're skeptical, you are going to become a robot of and, and, and literally uh, suffer the will of those negative entities who are running above our head, which so many people cannot understand, assimilate, or even accept. But the fact is they are very real, and they are interacting at the psychical level um, directly into your brain. And that's, again, what makes people who they are. And that is pretty much the mystery of what it means to be human or to be positive or to be negative. You have to remember you have two eyes, two arms, two legs, positive, negative, open them, black and white, male, female, yin and yang. Now you have a good forces, a good side of the extraterrestrial, and you have a very negative side of those ETs. And, and you're in the middle, you are a recipient of those uh, of, of these entities that literally hijack your body, your mind, and your soul if you're not aware of it. But if you're aware of it, you can battle them by choosing. You have a choice. Are you going to be negative? Are you going to be resentful? Are you going to be uh, losing faith into the future or losing faith on everything? Or are you just going to end for love, for light, for happiness, and for, for trust. Mm -hmm. It's a choice that you have to make within your soul. Now, the reason why I'm negative is because if you, if you look at a compass right now, a compass would point out north, which is negative, so to speak, okay, for, for a lack of words. What I'm trying to say is slowly but surely this world is moving up into the age of Aquarius, the age of extraterrestrial, the age of the extraordinary, and then the age of cosmic consciousness. Humans are not cosmic conscious. They've been indoctrinated either by science and most of the people become atheist or skeptic, agnostic, or they have been indoctrinated by the religious matrix and they've been deceived for centuries. So that is a lot of work to raise that uh, cosmic awareness and understand and use your cosmic divinity by speaking and understand God as he really is and how he speaks to us through the stars, through the signs. Can you give folks listening any advice on how they might be able to use astrology in their own lives to uh, get more insight into themselves or the events that seem random in their own lives? 
Well, again, you have been taught since you're a child to respect the laws of man. You stop at the red light, you're going to stop at the stop sign. These are the laws of the physical dance world we're living in. But because you do not see the other side of my hand, doesn't mean it does not exist. There is another set of laws written in light by God himself, and that is astrology. But At the same time, you do not jump into this new world of astrology uh, by being skeptical. And most of all, I would suggest and strongly recommend your audience to Google Dr. Terry Pop Francis. That's where you are going to be amazed by looking at pictures of all the popes being taught astrology by the Vatican Council, all the popes being enthroned under the sign of Leo, which is the king of the Zodiac, and all sorts of artifacts in astrological sign and dragon and planets in the, in the Vatican. Now, all this uh, wisdom was stolen from us, replaced by all sorts of garbage, archaic teachings. And the downfall is science or religion um, wanted to be either above or change the, the words of the creator. And now humanity is paying the heavy price of uh, um, thinking um, science, for example, that they are better than God or uh, the religious world to actually have changed those laws for their own political agenda. It's uh, doc- pretty deep. Uh, that it is. Dr. Turi, on that note, we're going to have to end it there. It's always a treat to talk with you. I'll look forward to our next conversation. You bet. Thank you so much. And have a good night. And thanks again, Frank. Thank you. And happy Halloween. Uh, people should uh, write those dates down. I'll be checking the news on November 7th, that's for sure. 800-848-9222 if you want to comment. That's uh, 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. that were wondering about Bella Lugosi's status at that time. I, I saw, I watched a Bella Lugosi movie over the weekend. I'll tell you which one a little bit later. It is Halloween, and of course, Bella Lugosi was in so many classic pictures that seemed to show well around this time of the year. Am I right? Uh, so, speaking of Halloween, on Thursday evening, I, and I talked about it on Friday, I went to a, um, my wife and I, with my sister and my sister-in-law, went to this kind of 1920s Gatsby 
theme party. And, you know, my siblings and I are all in a uh, kind of a group chat, but it's not just the four of us. It's, you know, my brother Nicholas's wife, my brother Alexander's longtime companion, and depending on which permutation of the group chat, our father and uh, their mother, my stepmother, is in it as well. My wife, Rachel, is in it. And so we were at this party on Thursday night, and, um, you know, we took a couple of pictures, and my wife and or my sister shared it in the um, group chat that we're all in. So then the next morning, around 8.30 in the morning, I get an SMS text message from my brother Alexander's significant other. And she writes, our invite to the Halloween party must have gotten lost in the mail. And I felt really bad because I'm always the guy that invites everybody to everything, right? And it sort of came together last minute. And and apparently my sister Claudia did tell Alexander and others to, you know, Make sure that uh, make sure that you were invited. But I felt bad, so I said, you know, this was on me. I apologize. We were on a, a group text with Sharon, that's my sister-in-law, and Claudia, and this came up. But you're right; it's a rare miss on my part. I just double checked to make sure you got, and I mentioned this other event that I invited them to. I think you know that I make a pretty good effort to inform you guys of stuff that I think you might like. This is one I missed. I feel awfully bad about this, and we'll try to make sure it doesn't happen again. And she writes back, Frank, I'm truly not upset and don't expect to be invited to every single thing. I was just jealous because you guys looked stellar, but I will take a look at this other email. And then I, on the group text message, <clears throat> I um, went and said basically some version of the same thing, apologizing to everybody. And everybody said they were, they were okay. They were, they were not upset. But I did feel bad. But it's just... To remember to invite everybody to everything, it, it is it is tough, you know. Kind of got a lot going on. And, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but people's feelings end up getting hurt when they're not invited, unfortunately. But uh, I felt really bad on Saturday because Saturday this is what was going on. So we were invited to Marlena Schiavo's Halloween party in New Jersey. And we missed it last year because Rachel was very pregnant and it was raining. It was just very – so we didn't go last year. So this year we were all set to go. And then we were dealing with, one, we had no babysitter for Saturday night. And I was obviously not going to go without Rachel because she would not have, uh, she would not have approved. Two, um, Rachel was still not feeling well. So she really didn't want to go. And I – Rachel did her thing. She said, oh, yeah, you can go ahead without me. You could imagine how that would have gone over. So I didn't go, and I texted Marlena Saturday. I'm sorry I can't make it. And she didn't text me back. Now, probably because she was busy preparing for the party. But I felt very bad because this is a party that she, I can tell, spends weeks, months preparing for. The decorations, the costumes, the invitations, the food, the, the movies that are showing. So I felt bad to miss it two years in a row, but I think... Marlene is mature enough to understand that that uh, that uh, that this occurs with when you have children. She's got Jesus two Frank. two daughters, so I uh, I think that uh, I think she was I think she'll be okay. So I, I felt bad. I sent her some 
Halloween flowers from Rachel and I to make up for us not being there. But uh, I did feel I feel very very crummy that uh, blah, I blah, blah, commit blah, to go blah, to something, blah. and then um, not able not able to go. So so that's that. Uh, that's where we are with that. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 commendations coming up in mere moments, and a whole lot of other stuff to get to. It is Halloween, a very special Halloween edition of the other side of midnight. In the immortal words of the great Barry Farber, keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Everybody, this is the other sides of midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Well, it's that time, that time of the week where we give a pat on the back to the entities that deserve one. Uh, this is a time for those of you that are new listeners out of Alaska, for instance. This is the time where the worthy get recognized in the form of. The Other Side of Midnight presents Commendations. That's right. Commendations abound. First and foremost, today's a big day for trick-or-treaters and those that like candy. And I have to give a commendation to people that give full-size candy bars to trick-or-treaters. Now, most people don't. Most people go and they get a bag of generic Halloween candy. That's the worst. That's the worst thing that you should do. I mean, the worst thing is to not give any candy. But the worst thing is then after that, just going and getting generic candy. But then most people do what I think my wife and I have done. You mix and match, right? You get a whole bunch of different types of candy. You put it in the bowl, and then you let the kids either take what they want or you grab a handful and give it to them. But every once in a while, you come across a household where they give full-sized candy bars, full-sized Hershey's or um, Kit Kats or Crunch Bars or Butterfingers, not the minis that they give away in doctor's offices or something. No. There are some households that give away full-size candy bars to trick-or-treaters. And I remember as a child, and I I spent a lot of time trick-or-treating as a child, as a child, you come across one of these houses that gives away full-size candy bars. It's like winning the lottery. I mean, it's huge for a, a nine-year-old, a ten-year-old. So if you want a commendation, join the ranks of those who are giving away full-size candy bars today. I must also commend Barcelona. You know, soccer is a big deal all over the world, including in Spain. And Barcelona is doing something that they don't generally do because they're going next month is the World Cup. And Barcelona 
is not going to be offering public viewing venues to watch Spain's games in the World Cup as they normally do. Now, why? And why would I be giving them a commendation? Because the World Cup is going to be in Qatar. And the mayor of Barcelona said her city does not support holding the soccer tournament in a dictatorship. Good for her. The Barcelona mayor um, said, uh, Ada Calau, that um, she doesn't abide by this. And she's not going to endorse this contest being held in Qatar. They were awarded the rights to host the um, World Cup for, and it's very controversial. There are some places in France that are also not showing the games. So uh, Kalau said, the mayor, that her city government would not dedicate public resources nor public spaces for the viewing of a World Cup that is being held in a dictatorship. It is a mistake to organize a global sports event which should promote democratic values, peace, and human rights in a dictatorship. I completely agree with her. I think that uh, the human rights groups that have criticized the choice of Qatar as the World Cup host for their treatment of gays, migrant workers, and others, I think they're right on the money. And uh, I think that uh, the mayor of Barcelona, I give her some credit here for doing that. I have to give credit as well to former and future president Luis Inacio Lula da Silva, a fella that they just call uh, Lula. He was the former president of Brazil, a left winger. And this runoff election in Brazil was absolutely fascinating to watch because you have on the right... Bolsonaro. And Bolsonaro is a right-wing populist. On the left, you had Lula, who was a left-wing populist. Picture picture a contest in the general election between Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. That is precisely what Brazil just had. And yesterday, the winner of that election was Lula. Now, I'm not endor- I'm not commending Lula because of his policies. He had some policies that I thought were a little bit out there. Although I will say that when he left the presidency, when he was term limited out 12 years ago, he was the most popular world leader in the entire world. The most popular president in the entire world among his own constituents. So Lula then was convicted and imprisoned. Three years ago, this guy was in prison. And now he is going, he's going into his third term. You talk about a comeback. This is extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. Now, I don't think Lula is going to have as easy a time as he did when he was president the first two times. I don't know how closely you follow Brazilian politics, but Bolsonaro's party controls a lot of the key governorships. And I think... They actually control a majority in the legislature. So it's going to be very difficult for Lula to kind of run roughshod. He also had to enter into a coalition with some centrist groups. Uh, I think even the vice president is a centrist. So it's not going to be this sort of left-wing paradise, as was the case uh, when he was the president the last time. But I, I can't help but admire this. 
I'm sorry. I know a lot of people are upset about this result. I think you go from being imprisoned to getting your conviction nullified to the presidency. I, I find that to be a remarkable comeback. And you know me, uh, like a lot of other folks, I love a good comeback story. I also have to commend Kendall Cummings. Kendall Cummings is a college wrestler who didn't think he would fight a bear on a weekend and lived to tell about it. But sure enough, when a grizzly bear attacked his wrestling teammate, Brady Lowry, Cummings leapt in to save him. October 15th, the two sophomores at Northwest College were wrapping up a day of hunting for antlers with wrestling teammates. And then there was a loud crash, and he sees a bear, Cummings, sees a bear on top of Lowry in between the thick trees. When he saw the bear mauling his friend, Cummings first tried shouting to scare it away. Didn't work. Then he threw stones and rocks at the grizzly bear's direction. Didn't work. Then this young wrestler acted on instinct. He leapt in and grabbed the bear, distracting it enough to free Lowry. Then, as you might imagine, the bear charges at Cummings twice. And Cummings had previously read about what to do in a bear attack. But none of that information had been about grizzly bears. So in any case, there wasn't time to think. What did he do? What would you do? You know what i do? I have no idea what I'd do. I'd hope I, I could outrun my friend. Um, I'm joking. You know what he did? He played dead. This grizzly bear is right in front of him, charging at him. He plays dead. So he, he curls up, and that's apparently what you're supposed to do when when you're in the midst of a grizzly bear attack. Play dead, cover your head and your neck with your hands and arms, Remain quiet and lie flat on your stomach. And what felt like moments later, Cummings watched the bear walk away. After the grizzly bear left, Cummings got up and moved down the mountain. By then, one of his other friends had already called 911. This kid has got a lot of gumption. You know a lot of people would not have jumped in to save their friend. I don't care how good a friend you are. There's a lot of folks that would have let that kid fend for himself against a bear. This is a real, I mean, look, I don't like to endorse hunting, but in Wyoming, that's what they do. This kid's a hero and very quick-witted and very brave. So I give, uh, I give Kendall Cummings a wholehearted and sincere commendation. I must also give a commendation to Johnny Can, Johnny Can of Rocky Point, a barber. I'll tell you, I'm sure my hair's getting a little long. I may have to ask my barber for an appointment. I'm sure that'll take two weeks. Johnny Can knew right away something was suspicious about a man who stepped foot into his barber shop. He says the guy later cut two catalytic converters off a box truck and tried to get away. Johnny Can jumped into action. He went from giving haircuts to helping, I don't know, cut, try to cut down on crime in New York. And he knew 
that something was wrong when Danny Daniel Labby stepped foot into his barbershop. He said it was Saturday, 9 o'clock in the morning. He walked in, looked around, eyeballs big, looked around like, is anyone seeing me? The barber fought as a tank infantryman with the Turkish military in northern Iraq back in the 90s. He said he sniffed trouble. He goes outside. I cut another guy, go outside to look for him. As soon as I turned the corner, he was sneaking with a sawzall in his hand and a converter trying to get into his car. A barbershop on Long Island released the security camera video, the owner of the shop running across a parking lot. The shop owner says he chased a man who stole these catalytic converters from the truck. Police later caught the suspect in the woods. Understand what happened. This guy, Johnny Can, saw that Daniel Labby was stealing catalytic converters, which is all the rage now. He chased him. He chased him. He drags him out. And just, they started wrestling. And he grabs the guy's keys and knows that he can't go anywhere from there. And with the help of the canine unit, the police were able to catch him, the catalytic converter thief, three hours later in the Pine Barrens where he was hiding in the woods. And Johnny Can was wounded in the midst of trying to go after this thief. I give this guy a lot of credit, too. Takes a lot of courage to go after a criminal like this. I have to give a commendation to legendary New York radio personality. Actually, that's not accurate. Legend, he's a national radio pro, uh, personality. Uh, radio personality Scott Shannon. Scott Shannon is an icon. And for the last 40 years in New York and nationally, he has been showing how it's done. He was, uh, an, uh, in the 80s, an icon at Z100. He built Z100, really from scratch. Then uh, I got to know him when WPLJ was WABC's sister station. And from 1991 through 2014, he was the morning co-host of the Scott and Todd show on PLJ. They did great there. And uh, during a lot of that time, he was also the voice of the Sean Hannity show. And then it looked like he was going to retire. Turned out not to be the case. He came back and then took over mornings at CBS FM, and he's been killing it there with Patty Steele and Brad Blanks. And he announced this week, this past week, that he's going to be retiring. He has had a radio career going back to the 1960s. This is an incredible broadcaster, a great guy, he still, as some of you may know him from his uh, True Oldies channel, that apparently is still going to continue, and or his syndicated weekend program, America's Greatest Hits. I think that's also going to continue. But as far as being a morning, daily radio presence in New Yorkers' lives, he's gone. And you know what I say as somebody that works on a competing radio station? Good riddance. Can't end fast enough because this guy is tremendous. Uh, as somebody that loves great radio, though, and great people, this is a huge loss for the radio listening community. I will say this. I give Scott Shannon credit. 
because he's leaving at a time where he's still on top and not waiting until he is no longer able to do this. So uh, he's going to be missed by a lot of folks. He also has a lot of experience as a program director of different radio stations. WPGC in Washington, D.C., for instance. A number of other stations as well. He is a guy that knows this business as well as anybody. And uh, I'm going to miss him. But uh, maybe we'll get him on the show one of these days now that he's retiring from daily, the rigors of daily radio. Scott Shannon, I do commend you. I must also commend Phil Kessel, a forward for Las Vegas, the uh, hockey team there, the Vegas Golden Knights. He became the NHL's new Ironman last week, and he did so in style, scoring his 400th career goal. And he has now appeared in 900 90 consecutive hockey games without missing one. Do you know how difficult that is? I mean, what Cal Ripken Jr. did in baseball, that's incredible. But let's face it, and I'm a baseball fan, that's my sport, but baseball is nowhere near as physically taxing a game as professional hockey is. It's not. I mean, the checks, the skating, the getting hit, the occasional fights – To be able to play in 990 consecutive games, first of all, to be good enough to get to still have the coach want to put you in to 990 straight games, that's an accomplishment. But to have the incredible physical endurance, stamina, dexterity, and strength of will to not miss a game since 2009, I'm in awe of this man. Phil Kessel, I do commend you. I must also commend Sam Adventure Baker, an eight-year-old boy who has become the youngest person ever to ascend Yosemite's El Capitan. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, this is the mountain that Captain Kirk almost falls off towards the beginning of uh, Star Trek V. And sure enough, he has become the youngest person ever to ascend the terrifying rock. Now, some people are trying to give him a hard time. He went up the cliff with his father, but some climbers say the method that he used, known as jugging, is not true climbing. Will you give me a break? The kid's eight years old. I don't care if he uh, took a training wheels up, up to the top of El Capitan. This kid deserves a commendation. My goodness. This El Capitan is a rock formation 3,000 feet above the Yosemite Valley. It's extraordinary. And to have these doubting Thomases call this a publicity hoax, please, let's see how you were doing when you were eight years old. Uh, I must also commend video gaming. You know, video gaming gets a bad rap, gets blamed for everything, gets blamed for diminishing attention spans, gets blamed for mass shootings. Well, addition, there is a new study out from the Journal of the American Medical Association that shows that video gaming 
might be associated with better cognitive performance in children. A study of nearly 2,000 children found those who reported playing video games for three hours per day or more performed better on cognitive skills tests involving impulse control and working memory compared to children who never played video games. So, look, I'm not saying you should let your kid play video games for three hours, but at least this one study, and look, there's more study needed, but at least this one study seems to show that far from being a negative, that in terms of cognitive ability, there's a lot to be said for uh, allowing your child to play video games. So I think that's great. And finally, I must give a posthumous commendation to legendary pastor Calvin Butts. Calvin Butts um, was a Harlem preacher who was one of the most gifted orators and one of the brightest political minds ever to come out of Harlem. He raised a billion dollars to remake America's most influential black neighborhoods. Just that, influential. He died on Friday at his home in Harlem. He was 73 years old. He was a spiritual leader, not only for the Abyssinian Baptist Church, but for all New York. He was an educator. He was dedicated to the students of SUNY Old Westbury. And uh, it's a real shame that uh, that he's gone. 73 is still just too young. Um, and was really the definition of what an influential black pastor should be. And uh, I, I have not heard anybody say anything negative about him, which when, when you even tiptoe, in the world of politics is pretty rare. All right. Uh, That is this week's edition of Commendations. If there's anyone that you feel received a commendation in error, or if you want to comment on any of the commendations, you're welcome to give me a call. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is uh, 
Will Smith and Jazzy Jeff. I know I didn't think this, right? Didn't we ban Will Smith from this show for slapping this uh, rock unwarranted? Um, but uh, this is uh, it's not bad. It is spooky. Certainly fits with the Halloween motif. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. This is the other side of midnight. If ever there's a day for watching horror movies, it's Halloween. If ever there's a weekend for watching horror movies, it is the weekend leading up to Halloween. So I was in very much given our uh, interview with um, Ron McNeil on uh, Friday. I was very much in a horror movie mood. And very much in a Frankenstein mood. So I said, let me try and watch a Frankenstein film or two. And I ended up watching The Son of Frankenstein, which is just wonderful. And I hadn't seen it in years. If you haven't seen it, it's really, it's visually stunning. It is one of the last, uh, I think, one of the last universal pictures of the 1930s. Son of Frankenstein is the third film in the Universal Frankenstein series. There were other Frankenstein films before that. Uh, Thomas Edison had made a a silent short film, which is actually pretty good. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I'm told it's, it's pretty good. And this film, Son of Frankenstein, is terrific. I looked on um, IMDb to see where it ranked because they ranked the best and worst Frankenstein films of all time. They listed this as the fifth best Frankenstein film ever made. And you could easily see why. This is not only the last Frankenstein film of the 30s, it's also the last time that Boris Karloff plays the monster. And um, I have to tell you... uh, Ron McNeil, we were talking about Bella Lugosi, who played Dracula, who played the monster in one picture. He plays Igor in this film. It is phenomenal. It is phenomenal to see Bella Lugosi's range as an actor. I mean, if you think about the fact that he played Dracula just eight years before this, and he plays Igor totally differently. It really gives you such a um, an appreciation for Bela Lugosi's range as an actor. He really steals the show in this. If you're not familiar with the the plot of Son of Frankenstein, this the that that title works on a few different levels because it is about Wolf von Frankenstein, the son of Doctor Frankenstein from the first two films. Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein. It's about him, but it's also about his little boy, Peter. So it works on that level. He's the son of Frankenstein, but also his son Peter is the son of Frankenstein. Additionally, and this is a point that Igor makes in the film, they they point out that the creature, played by Karloff for the last time, the creature is also the son of of Dr. Frankenstein. So it works on a few different levels. It's really, really well done. The ending is mediocre, but as far as the, the film itself goes, it's wonderful. It's, um, there's a lot of symbolism in there, and it's just great. Here is Dr. Frankenstein, again, the son of the original Dr. Frankenstein, 
speaking a little bit before turning on the generator. Every fantastic story told of him by the people of Frankenstein, I now believe to be absolutely true. I, as a man, should destroy him. But as a scientist, I should do everything in my power to bring him back to conscious life so that the world can study his abnormal functions. That would vindicate my father and his name would be enshrined among the immortals. Uh, my thanks to uh, Alex Barnard for selecting that clip because that clip, that 45 seconds really encapsulates the film almost better than anything else because so much of the film is about seeking redemption. And I don't know what it says about my psychology that I'm so obsessed with, with comeback stories uh, like we were talking with Lula before, but to me, there's nothing more impressive than real redemption and a comeback story. And here you have this guy, uh, Wolf von Frankenstein, who is sick over the fact that his father is known as a madman instead of the brilliant scientist that he knew him to be. And he views his father as a victim of circumstance, as a guy whose la- idiotic lab assistant took the wrong brain and ruined his father's reputation. And So much of the film deals with him trying to restore his father's legacy and two, um, trying to wrestling with what to do about this creature, bring him back to life, kill him or do nothing. And I think um, for a film of the 1930s, there's so many great films in 30, but it's so the production value is great. A lot of the sequels that came after this, they didn't look as good. They, I think they were made a bit more cheaply, and they didn't have Karloff as the monster. A lot of other great people playing the monster, but um, to see Karloff's final ride. So I watched this. I watched it in three parts because, um, you know, Rachel is averse to horror movies, but she can deal with the black and white universal horror movies. Apparently, she doesn't find them scary enough to frighten her like, say, a Halloween or a Friday the 13th or a Nightmare on Elm Street does. So, and I get that. I get that. And um, I watched this in three parts because I watched it as I would get up with Carmine and do my things and, you know, do my errands because I had seen it before. So I was in such a Frankenstein mood after talking with Ron McNeil that I said, all right, let me see the one that came after this. And the one that came after this is uh, The Ghost of Frankenstein, which I'm sure I saw, but I watched all these movies when I was eight or nine, and maybe ten. I haven't seen them in years. I might not have seen Ghost of Frankenstein. That's where Lon Chaney Jr. plays the monster. And lo and behold, uh, with all the freaking streaming networks that I'm paying for, Netflix, Paramount+, Plus, Hulu, Peacock, Amazon Prime, plain old regular cable... I really feel, and I'm sure I'm forgetting three or four others, I really feel that I should be able to talk into my remote control, say a film, 
And that film should come up on one of the many platforms that I'm paying for for free. Lo and behold, they wanted me to pay something like, uh, I forget what it was. I think it was about $8 to rent The Ghost of Frankenstein. And so I was not about to do that. I uh, Again, it's, it's not that I can't afford the $8, but I didn't even know if I was really going to get to watch the full thing because we were having some people over and I didn't know if Rachel was going to watch it. So I, I, I got angry. I always get angry when I have to uh, – they ask me to pay for a film when I'm already paying for all these streaming services. Every film that I want to watch should be free as far as I'm concerned, unless it's something new out. I mean, it's, it's crazy. The movies from uh, whenever it was, 1942. I can't watch it for free. So then I, I didn't really watch it, but I put on Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, which is also very good. That's where Bela Lugosi plays the uh, the creature. But um, I, was, I was lame. It was lame that I couldn't see that. Now, additionally, my wife and I on Friday, we finally finished. This is not Halloween related. We finally finished season two of Ted Lasso. So now we're totally caught up on Ted Lasso. And I have to tell you, I know a lot of people were saying that uh, they weren't crazy about season two. They didn't think it lived up to the, uh, the, the promise of season one. We both loved it. Both absolutely loved it. Uh, thought it was a great ending, a lot of fun, also very dramatic, and uh, did a, a good job building on the characters that were established in season one. So uh, my enthusiasm for Ted Lasso remains undiminished. Now, a, a show that I used to watch all the time, all the time, and for the last 33 years or so, that I, I don't watch anymore because I think it's gone. I, I mostly don't watch because I don't have time, but secondly, because I think it's gone downhill a bit, is The Simpsons. However, even though I don't really watch The Simpsons anymore, it's kind of like wrestling, right? When even though even if you don't watch wrestling anymore, if you ever watched wrestling, the one thing that you have to make sure to watch is WrestleMania. For the Simpsons, the same is true of Treehouse of Horror. If you're not a Simpsons fan, they started doing these uh specials where essentially they do these vignettes of horror movies. And some are very clever. They started doing it back in 1990. That was the first one. And they've done it, I think, every year since. And uh, this is the kind of intro that you might see at the beginning of one of the Treehouse of Horror episodes. Good evening. I've been asked to tell you that the following show is very scary with stuff that might give your kids nightmares. You see, there are some crybabies out there, religious types mostly, who might be offended. If you are one of them, I advise you to turn off your set now. Come on, I dare you. Chicken. So, hey. Uh... Homer, did you just call everyone chicken? No. I swear on this Bible. That's not a Bible. That's a book of carpet samples. Ooh, fuzzy. So uh, this was. So I watched last night as I was preparing for the show the latest edition of the Treehouse of Horror, and I thought it was very good. Not a classic by any stretch, 
in part because I was not familiar with most of the source material that they that they satirize. See, usually what they'll do is they'll take um, they'll take a movie. Doesn't matter, you know, or, or take a movie or a television program, and then they'll kind of put a horror movie Simpsons spin on it. And so I was unfamiliar with uh, the three films that they had done a takeoff of last night, The Babadook, um, Death Death Note, and Westworld. That Well, Westworld I'm familiar with, obviously. But I thought it was well done, uh, especially one of the stories. Uh, they call it Death Tome. It's based on Death Note. Death Note is a Japanese anime so they had, instead of having the Simpsons look as they normally do, they had them sort of redrawn in anime fashion. I thought that was really creative, really different, and really interesting. Uh, so I would give it, uh, I would give it a, about a seven and a half on a scale of one to ten, which is pretty good as far as I'm concerned. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. So that was my weekend of uh, of uh, watching of television and movies. By the way. Uh, I meant I had this on my list for last week. It strikes me as as good of an opportunity to mention. I told you my review of the film Halloween Ends. Essentially, I thought it was mediocre. I, I didn't think it was the best way to end the series, uh, if if it is really the end. But who knows? Um, I did see Jamie Lee Curtis on CBS Sunday Morning. I thought she was very good in that profile they did on her. But now there is a petition to completely reshoot Halloween Ends. And it's already gotten thousands of signatures. I think it's gotten close to 10,000 signatures. So they basically, this is what the petition reads. Halloween Ends was not a film that the fans wanted. This was an origin story, the Corey story. We deserve a movie worthy of Michael Myers and the Halloween franchise. We love this franchise wholeheartedly. And this version of a Halloween movie left us sad, mad, disappointed, and infuriated. Please give us a movie that shows us what Halloween is really about. Our apex predator, the king of slasher movies, Michael Myers. This movie gave us a weak, pathetic Michael who needed his mask to survive. This isn't our Michael Myers. Our killer is strong, relentless, and unstoppable. Please right this wrong, we beg of you. So I don't know if uh, they are going to reshoot this. My hunch is if Halloween ends makes a lot of money, they will find a way to make a new Halloween movie. I hate, I hate to be so cynical, but I do think that's the case. So there you go. Uh, 800-848-9222. Bob is on Long Beach. Hello, Bob. Hey, doing, Frank? Uh, you know, I was just thinking, you know, people go on these places where there are grizzly bears and they don't have a weapon with them, at least a sidearm. Now, I don't say you should bother the bear. I don't even like guns. I detest them. But when you go into a place where there's grizzly bears, you the bear goes away. You don't ever pull your gun. You may never pull that gun out. But if he has your friend cornered up against the tree and he's eating him, don't you think you might want to shoot the bear? like a fireman going to a fire. He's got a hose, but he don't know how to turn on the water. Well, this was a hunting trip, so I'm assuming they did have some sort of a weapon. Well, if, if, 
Well, where was it? You out? This isn't the Catskills where you fall down and you come up with a bagel and locks. There are real wild animals there, obviously. So I don't understand it. The concept. There was another story when the, these these people were canoeing up in the Pacific Northwest. They were sleeping in their tent, and it was only even it wasn't even a grizzly bear. A black bear clawed this fellow so bad that he almost bled out. By the time she paddled down to a ranger station. Why would you go there? But I mean, you may, I don't say hunt. I don't say shoot anything. I don't even say shoot the gun, the weapon. But you gotta when you go to these places, if you want to do stuff like this, you gotta be prepared. You know, you go into, uh, that's fair, you know? Bob. That's fair, Bob. And I don't know what kind of weapons they had. I look as a general rule. I try to stay away from bears. I remember when my friend uh, Joe Piscopo first started on the radio, and I was working with him. And Joe would tell these stories about how there was a bear in his neighborhood, in New Jersey, in New Jersey. And he would rummage through Joe's garbage. And apparently the bear really liked Nutella. And Joe has a sweet tooth and he had some Nutella in the garbage. And the bear just loved it. Anyway, uh, we had a caller. She passed away, unfortunately, Marie in Yonkers. And uh, she called Joe and she was sort of joking, but she was... I think sincere mostly. And she said, why do you live in a place where there are bears? And I was thinking the same thing. And I think the same thing of these guys, to Bob's point. There are so many great places to vacation. Why would you go and spend your recreation time in places where there are bears? Not for me. Not for me. All right, 800-848-9222. We'll continue with your calls in a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of Midnight, a special Halloween edition of our program. Thank you for listening. A couple of things related to prison. One, at Guantanamo Bay, they have just released the oldest detainee, Saifula Parasha. 75 years old, the oldest prisoner there. He's been released to his home country in Pakistan for almost two decades, Saifulua Paracha arrested two years after the September 11, 2001 attacks and accused of being an al-Qaeda sympathizer. 
He was suspected of financing the jihadist group, but he maintained his innocence the entire time and was never charged, never charged with a crime. And there were a lot of people at Guantanamo Bay that uh, were suspected militants that were never charged. This was a Pakistani national, and he was detained there for two decades. He's been released in Pakistan. The Pakistan Foreign Ministry put out a statement that said, we are glad that a Pakistani citizen detained abroad is finally reunited with his family. His lawyer questioned why it had taken so long for his client to be released. I'll be honest, I question the same thing. Quote, he's been cleared for release for well over a year. He used to hum to me the Eagles song, Hotel California, where you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. I find this um, very peculiar. He was study, He had studied in the U.S. and was accused of having contact with some of the al-Qaeda senior operatives, including Osama bin Laden. And after 14 months at a U.S. military prison in Afghanistan, he was transferred to Guantanamo Bay. I don't know um, how the United States government does this. Just snatches random people up, never charges them with a crime, keeps them in captivity, and says, oh, see ya later. Oh, we're not charging you with a crime. You're not convicted of anything. Uh, that 20 years we just kept you in prison, well, tough. Hope there's no hard feelings. I mean, to me, this is outrageous. I don't know what this guy's story is. But if he had something to do with the September 11th attacks, he ought to be charged with a crime, given a speedy trial, and convicted. If not, there's no excuse, in my judgment, for keeping him locked up under four presidential administrations. Bush, Obama, Trump, Biden. I don't understand this one bit. Speaking of prison... There was a very good article in the Marshall Project. I'm going to link to it on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash MoranoFan. You can check it out, facebook.com slash MoranoFan. Headline, why millions of Americans will be left out of the midterms, even in states where some people with felony convictions and those awaiting trial in jail have the right to vote, actually casting a ballot remains difficult. So listen to this. Um, More than 12 million people, including me, have already voted. I voted Saturday. Left out. You're probably going to have 100 million Americans voting this year. But left out will be some 4.6 million people who can't vote due to a felony conviction. That's according to a report from the Sentencing Project. That's about 2% of the voting age public. And the number of ineligible voters is actually down about 24% since 2016 after a handful of states restored some voting rights. In Washington state, which recently relaxed its reenfranchisement laws, a man who spent 17 years in prison said he registered to vote on his first full day of freedom. Now, state laws on this vary wildly. Some states, like Maine and Vermont, give full voting rights 
even to people currently incarcerated. But very few of the prisoners actually do it. They actually, Very few of them actually use their right to vote. On the other side of the spectrum, states like Mississippi never restore voting rights for people accused of certain crimes, ranging from serious offenses that you'd probably expect to some that you might not, like timber larceny. Most states do ultimately restore voting rights after people have served their sentence, but many people, uh, many require them to have completed parole or be up to date on court fees. Um, As far as I'm concerned, there is no reasonable rationale for keeping people who have paid their debt to society from voting. The, the places where ex-felons can't vote, that makes no sense to me. Now, if we're going to talk about whether people who are currently incarcerated should be able to vote, like Maine and Vermont, okay, I, I could see a debate on that. I could see both sides of that argument. And I don't know my position, honestly. Because I've heard from a lot of friends of mine that have been incarcerated, and they make a powerful case both ways. But once you're done you should absolutely be given the right to vote. And if you're one of these folks who has been incarcerated and is now eligible to vote, vote, vote. The only way things are going to improve in the criminal justice system, the only way things are going to improve in the prison system is if you start voting like you want to make a difference. 800-848-9222. We'll uh, talk about uh, Halloween and uh, the occult and a bunch of other things. In just a moment, let me say hello first to Eddie in Babylon. Hello, Eddie. Uh, thank you. Okay. I've got a bear story and a UFO story for you. I'll take, I'll take both. Great. Ah, wonderful. Thank you. So I go upstate with uh, my girlfriend, Susan, and uh, we get to my parents' cabin. And she comes out with two glasses of wine on the porch, and she's pointing her foot, and she's going, ba 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 I'm looking at her, ba 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 It sits below I turn around. There's a there's a bear at the door, looking at us, and that's where the screen was ripped when we got up there. Oof. Now we're on the, we're on the road, and she goes, "Take a picture of me for my daughter." And so I have the camera out, and I see a mother bear and three cubs walking behind her. I'm just looking at her. I'm going, "No, no, no! Come here, come here, come here! Let me hug you." Like I want her to walk away. Then we're up hiking, and this was all in one weekend. And I've, I've never went hiking again. Uh, Frank, because this bear, after we pass these berries bush, bushes, comes down the tree. I see claws. I see bark flying. And now I tell her, go, go, run. And you're not supposed to run. Right. Because a bear's instinct is to run after you. And they can run 35 miles an hour, I hear, you know, through the timber and brush. But I had an air horn behind me. We got to the car. We closed the doors. And I look at her. I go, how do you feel? She goes, I feel so awake and alive, like I just had a triple quad <laughs> latte or something. <laughs> so, and I hear that you know, if you you if you had a firearm, you should not shoot the bear in the skull because it'll ricochet off the skull. They have thick ones. You you just have oh, to go uh, see that I I did not know that. Uh, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, then they're going to gnaw in your skull. But the Christopher Columbus uh, story, and I I heard in his journal. Um, that he 
had written that they saw something emanate come out of the sea. Yes, that's. I talked about that on Columbus Day. If you didn't hear that, uh, maybe uh, go back and uh, and listen to the podcast. But uh, but yes, um, that is that is absolutely the case. Now we don't know um, what it was, but. Well, isn't that identifying for UFOs? Because you go back that far, uh, and Christopher Columbus, you know, qualifies it in his journal. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a whale. No, exactly. Exactly. No, no, absolutely. I think that uh, uh, that is absolutely uh, legitimate. Yes. I think it's uh, I think right. it's fascinating. Yeah, um, I mean, October twelfth. I, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I saw. Uh, give me the podcast, uh, October twelfth. No, well, it was Columbus Day. Whatever Columbus Day was, we did it. But I was just telling you. Oh, okay. the day, uh, Thank you, Eddie. Um, you, you was, you, whenever people say, I don't want to interrupt, it very rarely stops them from interrupting, does it? But anyway, um, October 12th, he's right. October 12th, 1492, um, his whole crew saw these weird objects coming out of the sea. Or maybe it was October 11th. Whatever. You could check the record. I talked about it um, on the Columbus Day edition of the program. Until next hour, your influence counts. Make sure you use it. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Let me ask you a question. Now, this could be something that we discuss for 40 seconds or the entire hour. Have you ever had an experience with a Ouija board? Yes or no? Did you ever see something? You know what I mean when I say an experience. Did you ever use a Ouija board and you felt that something, it wasn't you moving, it wasn't you moving the mag, the, gla, the lens there, whatever you call that thing, and you had some something otherworldly give you an answer? And if so, what was it? What happened? Call and tell me. 800 848 22. That's 1 800 848 Couple of things. I did not know, you know, that, you know, Ouija board, it's like Kleenex. Kleenex is a brand name. There are all sorts of brand names that you use for products like Scotch tape, Whiteout, um, Coke. These are all brand names. Uh, Ziploc, right? Ouija is the same thing. It's that's a specific brand of spiritual board. 
And so I read The Hustle, which is uh, one of my favorite newsletters to get. And uh, I'm a little angry with them for reasons I've stated previously, but they really just do such great work. So they talk about in the Halloween edition of the, uh, you know, of the hustle, the spooky history of the Ouija board, a great article written by Juliet Bennett Ryla. And she talks about how in at Salem, in Salem, and I think my brother Nick was in Salem for the weekend. Great place to be for Halloween. Obviously, Salem well-known as the site of America's witch trial. Salem is basically now a commercialized ode to occultism. There's dozens of different witchcraft shops, ghost tours, haunted abodes. And inside the museum, you see the history of a fascinating business on display. The walls and glass cases of the small gallery are lined with talking boards or witch boards. That's the non-brand name, witch boards. Devices that supposedly allow people to communicate with spirits. They were, I mean, I think a lot of you are probably familiar with it. I first learned about a Ouija board in the classic Vincent Price film, 13 Ghosts. And I, I had never heard of it. I went and got one after that, but I never really had any kind of a weird experience. The board is labeled with the alphabet. Numbers zero through nine and the words yes and no. Some versions also have goodbye on it. And a player asks the board a question. An indicator mysteriously moves across the board, spelling out an answer. So um, at one point, this these boards, the manufacturer, the uh, manufacturing of these boards was a multi-million dollar business. Um, spiritualism, the belief that the living can commune with the dead, was already popular in Europe when it ignited across the United States in the middle of the 19th century. And the talking board was a big part of that. If you're a kind of a amateur medium the talking board or the witch board is or what i always thought was just called the ouija board is your vehicle to do that an 1886 article described how easy the new scheme for mysterious communication was to construct you just needed a board marked with letters and numbers um Users would place their fingers on the on the device, they called it a planchette, and spirits would channel through them to point it to the desired letter. And among these early talking board enthusiasts was Charles Kennard, a fertilizer entrepreneur in Maryland. He didn't seek answers from the great beyond as much as he wanted to make money. Uh, Robert Murch, the president of the Talking Board Historical Society, and one of the nation's foremost experts on Ouija boards, said he was one of those guys who's always into seven to ten businesses, always looking for some cool opportunity. So Kennard partnered with an undertaker and a woodworker named E.C. Reich 
to make and sell a dozen or so boards. Kennard suggested they go into business together, but Reich failed to see a profit in something people could make themselves. Kennard saw the potential. He kept at it. After his fertilizer business dried up due to competition and drought in 1889, he moved to Baltimore. Big shout out to all of our listeners in Baltimore and WCBM. And there he met a patent attorney by the name of Elijah Bond. Bond was into this idea. And it didn't hurt that Bond's sister-in-law was a medium. Uh, Follow this? So Elijah Bond, the patent attorney, his sister-in-law was a medium. Somebody that claims that they can communicate with the dead. And in letters, um, Kennard wrote of a seance that Helen Peters, that's the sister-in-law of the lawyer, held in April of 1890, during which he claimed they asked the board what it wanted to be called. It's spelled Ouija, O-U-I-J-A, then told the group it meant good luck. Ouija wasn't a word in any language. And um, there was speculation that maybe it was a misspelling of Ouida, O-U-I-D-A, which is uh, a writer that uh, Peters admired. But whatever the case, it stuck. So Kennard Incorporated... This company, on October 30th, one day before Halloween, in 1890, he had investors. Their mission, very simple, sell as many Ouija boards as possible. So they trademark the word Ouija. They patent the board. The patent office had rejected similar devices because the creators couldn't prove that they were summoning ghosts. So Bond brought his sister-in-law, the medium, along. The pair were shuffled from clerk to clerk until they reached the office's chief. The chief clerk walks in and says, look, I don't know you and you don't know me, but if that contraption can spell my name, you've got your patent. So with Helen Peters and Elijah Bond at the board, it revealed his name, letter by letter. The supposedly shaken clerk gave Bond the patent. And it gave Kennard a new tagline for the Ouija board in advertisements. Quote, proven at the patent office. In 1892, Ouija was so popular that Kennard's company built additional factories in New York, London, Chicago, and a second one in Baltimore. These boards sold for $1. That would be $33 today. That's a bargain when it comes to speaking with ghosts, right? And the company, the Ouija Novelty Company, they um, continued, and it became a big business. Ultimately, um, it became a party game. It became something that kids were into. And uh, then in the, the 60s, it went corporate. They sold to Parker Brothers in 1966, and that's who owns the Ouija board today. And they still make a lot of money with it. You know, it's funny. I interviewed an exorcist not long ago, a, a priest, a honest-to-God priest who has written about exorcism and knows a great deal about exorcism. And one of the things that he said is, if you don't want demons to possess you, you should avoid anything like this. 
You should avoid seances. You should avoid talking to medians, mediums. You should avoid the occult. You should avoid using Ouija boards. And it's funny. The first time that I ever heard that using a Ouija board could actually lead to some sort of a demonic possession was in the film The Exorcist. And uh, other than 13 Ghosts, that was the first time that I had ever seen a Ouija board used in a film. And I'm sure a lot of you remember that film from The Exorcist. Hey, where'd this come from? I found it. Where? Closet. You been playing with it? Yep. You know how? I'll show you. Wait a minute. You need two. No, you don't. I do it all the time. Oh, yeah? Well, let's both play. You really don't want me to play, huh? No, I do. Captain Howdy said no. Captain who? Captain Howdy. Who's Captain Howdy? You know, I make the questions and he does the answers. Oh, Captain Howdy, yeah, I see. Nice. Oh, I bet he is. Here, I'll show you. Captain Howdy, do you think my mom's pretty? Captain Howdy? Captain Howdy, that isn't very nice. Well, maybe sleeping. And uh, obviously the rest of the film goes as it does. But uh, I think I took that warning from that exorcist we spoke to very seriously. He said, don't mess around with Ouija boards. And I I don't anymore. 800-848-9222 if you want to comment. The big question I have about Ouija boards is, do they work? I told you the patent story. I've told you what this exorcist says about this being a pathway to demons and so forth. Have you ever had an experience where you felt that a Ouija board has helped you convene with something not of this world? 800-848-9222. A question. Since before your son burned hot in space and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. 800-848-9222. Now, uh, I have no idea if that's the kind of thing that we're going to get 30 calls on or zero. You ever have an experience with a Ouija board? Tell me. 800-848-9222. Now, Halloween can be a very polarizing holiday, and it has nothing to do with witchcraft because there is a certain candy that people either love or hate. And you already know what I'm about to describe. It is, of course... Can I have the candy corn downstairs? Candy corn. Girls love them. She was shopping in the grocery store for candy corn with her mom. What can I get for you? Candy corn. Small bag. Okay. Danny loves candy corn, so every Valentine's Day, that's what I make him. Candy corn, as far as I'm concerned, and I've felt this way since I first tried it, probably in the third grade, has got to be the most revolting candy that I have ever 
tried. Not only do I find the taste absolutely disgusting, but the consistency of it is just so gross. To me, you put it in your mouth and you chew. I, I'm, I'm almost gagging just thinking about how it feels in your mouth. And yet, sure enough, people love my, my in my neighborhood on my block. The neighbors they every night they basically get together on uh, somebody's front porch or front lawn, and they sit around, gather around, and drink wine or hard seltzer or whatever the case. As the children play and so forth, the adults gather and talk. And so there's always a ready-made focus group of about a half dozen adults. And so I asked the other day, I said, hey, do you like candy corn? Sure enough, the group was split. And these are adults. Half of them loved it. Half of them didn't like it. And to this day, this is one of the most polarizing candies out there. Marisha Mogolensky, the director of Insight Food and Drink at Mintel, she talked about this on CNN. I have the candy corn downstairs. Candy. It is a direct link to the past because it is a nostalgia reminder of, you know, everybody always got candy corn and we always hated it, but we always ate it. Everybody can talk about candy corn. It doesn't matter where you are. You can start a conversation. Candy corn has become one of those commonalities. You give what you remember from the past. You give what you can afford. They'll buy whatever looks familiar to them. Oh, yeah, I remember those Smarties. I'll take those. There are people who cannot afford to give out Haribo and full-sized Hershey bars to their community. It just doesn't work that way, but they want to have something to give and this is what they can afford. We'll always have candy. There is something about candy and Americans that is just inseparable. We just have to have our security blanket of sweets. So I'm curious where you fall on candy corn. I am squarely in the dislike category. I don't know anybody that says, yeah, yeah, candy corn. I could I could take it or leave it. Everybody I know either loves it or hates it. I am in the hated category. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Also eager to hear your Ouija board experiences. Joe is in Queens. Hello there, Joe. Hey Frank, how you doing? I'm well, thanks. Good, good, to, good to speak with you. Um, hey, you're awesome, by the way. Oh. Just so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of Curtis Wheel always beating you up every time. Uh, I, I it's love, all, uh, it's all in fun. after midnight. Thank you, no, I, I appreciate know. that. Thank I, you. I know. No, I appreciate you too. Thank you. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely hating the candy corn without a doubt. That stuff, <laughs> yeah. that stuff is awful. It, it, I, um, I'm amazed that it still persists. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I had a, a Ouija board. Um, I still have it, I, but um, yeah, we we don't use that anymore. I don't know why we even have it, but uh, yeah, completely against using one of those. Uh, I don't know. I'm not very superstitious, but I'm not going to take a chance. You know. Did you ever? Did you have ever have an experience with the Ouija board? Um. I yeah I did um I, yeah a friend of mine he 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 was very uh, into it and we we used it one time and uh, yeah he had some very interesting uh, you know um, situations occur you know definitely uh, I, I won't I won't touch one again that's for sure you well, know, can you give us uh, give us a, a kind of a clue as to what happened um, yeah well my friend um, well he. Uh, he, he he was terrified of mirrors when he was a kid. He saw, he claimed to see his uh, dead grandmother in the mirror. So he took all the mirrors out of his apartment, and um, and he was using a Ouija board to you know try to contact 
you know, people in his family. And, uh, um, yeah, definitely, definitely had some experiences, wow. um, with it. Yeah. It was, uh, not something I would do it. Not something I would recommend. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not that superstitious, but it was definitely, uh, you know, it, def- it definitely could be something there for sure. You know, well, well. thank you, Joe. Appreciate that. 800-848-9222. Paul is on Staten Island. Hello, Paul. Hey, hi, Frank. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, too. Yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, my, my younger brother got a Ouija board, and uh, this thing moved. And <laughs> It moved. You get, like, two people, you know, and you'd each touch it lightly. And um ask a question, and I swore the other guy was moving it. But, you know, it wasn't. You know, we had we, different people used it, and it was very freaky. And, then, and I forget. And okay, yeah, go I was going to say, do, do, do you remember any of the things that um, that, that I, you got from this? don't remember anything specifically. You know, I, I com- I'm 71 years old now. And I was in my early teens back then, but it it really really moved. You know, different people used this. You know, and different combinations, and nobody was pushing it themselves. It, it moved on its own. Very very freaky. That's for sure, Paul. Thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Danny is calling from Nevada. Whereabouts are you in Nevada, Danny? Well, it's Daniel, for one thing. So. Ah, well, not according yeah, to my uh, board. <laughs> I'd only correct you if you called me Dan. I'm in Ely, Nevada. Oh, okay. Well, it's, are you uh, about 250 miles north of Vegas or so? No, no, no. I know exactly where uh, where 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 Ely is. Um, uh, what small town? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you listening to us on K E L Y? I believe so. Uh, 98.5. Wonderful. Here. Yes. The great, great, yeah. a big part of the Nevada talk network. We love, 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 uh, the guys over at, K- at, uh, at K E L Y and, uh, the Nevada talk network. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. A lot of uh, good fun people, good Republican Christians, you know. Yeah. And they and they have a good sense of humor and Wyatt Cox, exactly. who's one of the great guys over there. Exactly. He, he's, he's a bit of a character huh oh that is for sure and he let me tell you something <laughs> he, he, he knows his wrestling he's also a heck of a nice guy uh, when i announced that i was having computer problems recently he was the first person to reach out to me and email me um no with kidding. with guidance about how to fix my computer well good on him i i've never met him personally myself, well uh, neither have i you know. so it's one of the many things yeah. you and i have in common daniel <laughs> awesome all right. So, uh, anyhow, we were asking about candy corn. Mm-hmm. There was, hang on, hang on. Okay, to first to begin with, the guy who said don't shoot a bear in the face, he's right. Uh, I think that was you. Yeah, pigs and bears are very closely related, right? You don't want to shoot them in the head because the bullet will ricochet off. That was a while back. That's correct. Uh, candy corn, I'm not a big fan, dude. You know, never really have been. Why do you think it has con- it has persisted as long as it has? When I think a lot of people it's, feel it's a gimmick, I think. Yeah, I agree. Or, I don't know. I agree. You know what I wonder? And Daniel, thank you for the call. Give our best to everybody on. Uh, uh, can on I that. can I give you one one more? Uh, yeah, do, or do ahead, I only sure. have so much time? No, no, go ahead. I, I got a paranormal story for you. If I can, let's make hear a it. Absolutely. Long story short. Uh. You know, you're familiar with Sigourney Weaver, the movie Aliens, sure. correct? Love it. 
Okay, you like the sequel to the original? Yep, very familiar with it. I was about five years old. I am just turned 40 about a month ago. So I was about five years old when that movie came out. My, my father was big into the sci-fi horror kind of stuff, you know, and he was like, hell, let's, I'll try and watch my foul mouth. He was like, let's watch a movie. It scared me quite bad. And at the time, I was I was born in in Iowa. We lived in this massive house, had like four stories, and I was had uh, uh, the full stairwell up into the creepy attic. And uh, right after watching that movie, man, I'm laying there five years old, and that door to the attic cracked open about six inches or so, and it just like heckles on the back of your neck. You know what I mean? Like goosebumps and things. Like somebody's looking at me kind of thing like it was weird man mm. <clears throat> you know sound a bit strange uh, no kidding that, but it was like dude it was it i've remembered it for 40 years oh it creeped me out yeah <laughs> I, I would think so kind of hey uh daniel thanks for calling call again give our best to wyatt and everybody over there 800-848-9222 joe is in ron kunkama joe where do you come down on candy corn where do you come down on ouija boards well, first off, happy Halloween, Frank. Likewise, my friend. I hope you and your student and your wife enjoy it. I remember these days because they get big quick. Uh, we weren't allowed to have a Ouija board because um, uh, a priest told my family that it's the gateway to, like you were saying, to spirits and stuff like that. Um, I love candy corn, but I got a story, Frank, a quick one that's going to run chills down your spine. When I was a kid... Um, me and my sister, when we lived in West Isla, our grandmother lived with us, and she passed away uh, back in the 80s from uh, breast cancer. And she had her own apartment downstairs. And when she passed away, um, my parents donated all her stuff to St. Vincent de Paul. But we had a, a little dog. So a couple months after she passes, we had to go from upstairs down to her old apartment to let this dog out. And one day, me and my sister opened the door, Frank, and her apartment is all set up, and she's sitting there, and she's calling us. We both saw this, Frank. Two weeks, my mom didn't believe us. Two weeks later, it happened to my mother. A week later, the house went up to sale. Wow. And we've been, oh, my God, so it was so scary. But it was good because she was trying to hug us, but we had to leave the house. We had to leave the house, Frank. Have a good night. Thank you, Joe. Jeez. Woo. Woo. Uh, I tell you, that that gave me a chill. Uh, it's interesting. Joe likes candy corn. That's the other thing I took out of that. You know what I wonder? We know it's been well documented that the government gives subsidies to farmers to grow corn, right? They subsidize uh, corn, and that results in everything we eat pretty much having high fructose corn syrup because it's subsidized by the government. It's terrible. It's terrible. A great documentary about it called King Corn that I recommend. And we also know that's why there's corn in our fuel. I mean, if you think about it, ethanol, the idea of ethanol uh, does not make a tremendous amount of sense either from an environmental perspective or an economic one. But, I mean, you think about it, should we be burning our food, right? Should we? I mean, it, just, it doesn't make sense. But, to, but anyway... The reason ethanol persists is because the government subsidizes it and because the ethanol lobby in 
places like Iowa is a very powerful special interest. And Iowa plays a big role in presidential elections. I wonder, is it possible? We know that the government is subsidizing the growth of corn for high fructose corn syrup, for ethanol. Is it possible that there is some sort of subsidy that that we don't know about that's going to big candy, big sugar? Is the reason they keep this revolting candy on the shelves because they're being subsidized, paid for by the government? I wonder. 800-848-9222. One quick note here. Two quick notes. One quick note. Uh, I want to thank my friend Tommy Barlotta, who informed me. See, this shows you how little I know about hunting. The kids that were out there with the bear, they did not have a weapon because they were antler hunting. Antler hunting is just searching for fallen off antlers. That's all it is. It has nothing to do with actually killing animals. So I regret the error, and I'm glad that uh, Tommy Barlotta is keeping us honest. By the way, this hour of the program is actually not being heard in Alaska. So those of you who want to say something negative about Alaska but have been holding it in for the first three hours, this is your opportunity to get it out of your system. This is your opportunity to, I don't know, let loose, let your Alaska hair down. 800-848-9222. Let me say, uh, we're going to do the $1,000 minute in just a, just a moment. Joe in Queens has been holding a little while. Hello, Joe. Yeah, hey, Frank. Uh, you know, I asked my sister what she was going to be for Halloween. She said me. I like that one. You know, meaning her. She's yeah, I get it. About no, that's it, funny. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, you know, talking about Halloween costumes, I uh, went to the Halloween parade one year where it was warm enough to stand there, you know, for hours and watch it. And a guy walking off, uh, his costume was a toilet bowl. And I was thinking, this guy's got low self-esteem, Frank. <laughs> you know? I would say so. Well, maybe he's just having some fun, right? Who's to yeah. say? these Ouija boards? Who, who makes them? Uh, uh, well, now, as I said, tracing the history, now they're made by Parker Brothers. Mm. But there's also, like, you can make your own, uh, or you can, it won't be a brand name Ouija board, but you could get all sorts of witch boards, uh, you know, online. Uh, you can get them on Amazon. You can get them wherever you want. I mean, all sorts of stores. Yeah, I know someone uh, had the witch's chalice—that uh, was a little strange, you know. Well, what is the witch's chalice? I'm not up on that. Yeah, yeah. Somebody uh, had like on a Halloween an actual chalice wow. that was like the witch's chalice, and you know, like a book about witchcraft, and that, that spooked me out a little bit. This was at a Halloween event, and uh, but it was it was some sort of chalice called the witch's chalice. So it makes me wonder. Was it like if, a cup? Yeah, it was like a like a goldish cup chalice or something like that. That that was spooky to me. Interesting. You know, that, okay. yeah, that, that is spooky. I gotta say, thank you, uh, thank you, Joe. You know what? Speaking of, I'm looking up different chalices, and whenever you end up looking up which accoutrement, you always see cauldrons. And 
I believe that 1910 silent short film of Frankenstein that Thomas Edison made, I believe Frankenstein is actually created in that film in a cauldron. And they have a whole Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde theme going. Uh, 800-848-9222. Let me get one more in and then we'll go to uh, $1,000 Minute. And those of you that are holding, you can keep holding and we'll we'll get to you. Uh, Damien is in New Jersey, uh, just like the priest in The Exorcist. Hello, Damien. Good morning. This is Damien from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Love your show. First time caller. I'm a truck driver. I have a story about a Ouija board. We had a family reunion. I'm uh, 62 years of age, so about 50 years ago, we had a family reunion. All the kids got together with a Ouija board, and we were trying to bring back our grandmother. And I can't, honestly, we, we got together, and all of a sudden we heard a nasty scream after we got together on this board. Everybody freaked out, went upstairs. It was in the basement, and I've never touched one until one other time. I became a path, a uh, youth pastor at a church, and I had did some study on Ouija boards, and they said if if you have one, you should burn it, get rid of it. So all the kids in my uh, youth ministry went out to the woods, and we started burning this Ouija board. And all of a sudden, I hate uh, I heard the exact same scream Whoa. coming from the board as we were burning this. Was it the chemicals in the board? But it was so hard to to burn, and it was so eerie. So that's my story. Wow. I stick to it. That's yes. wild, Damien. That is mm-hmm. wild. Hey, Damien, I hope you'll call again. And uh, all my cousins live in Bethlehem. So, uh, you know, keep an eye out for them. And uh, you might see my Uncle Joe hanging out at one of the cigar shops over there if you're a cigar smoker. Will, will do. Thank you. God hey, bless. Thanks, Thank Damien. You. Appreciate it. That's. <whistles> that is spooky. Those of you that are holding, uh, please keep holding. We'll get to you. And for the rest of you, if you would like an opportunity to try and win $1,000, why don't you go ahead and be the seventh caller to 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222, because in mere moments, we will do the $1,000 Minute straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are under when you're down, when you're strange. Strange, when you're strange, when you're strange, when you're strange, when you're a stranger, faces look ugly when you're alone. 
People are strange. Uh, this is The Other Side of Midnight. I am Frank Moreno. And uh, right around this time of the morning, we try and give someone an opportunity to win some money as part of... The Other Side of Midnight presents... It's the $1,000 Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Murano. Thank you very much, Chris Libertini. Let us say hello to a man that hails from a city that was integral to the creation and the invention of the Ouija board. Jim in Baltimore, listening to us on WCBM. Hello there, Jim. Yeah. Hey there, Frank. Uh, Jim, thanks for uh, thanks for listening, and uh, I, sure. I hope you'll listen to our friend Sean Casey, who does the morning show up there on WCBM as well. I know Sean very well. He's a friend. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd you get to know I'm Sean? For office. Well, I, I write. Yeah, I've been writing for 20 years, and I've written books. I have a best-selling book last year called Who Was Karl Marx? Oh, really? He's interviewed me numerous times, yeah. Yeah. It's called Who Was Karl Marx? Yep. yep. Oh. Uh, and Bestseller at Amazon. Was it, a, uh, was it a, a pro-Karl Marx book or an anti-Karl Marx book? Oh, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Very anti. Very I mean, anti. It actually, it explains everything that's going on right now today. Really? Um, All right. Hey, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, so uh, if you want to check it out, it's available on Amazon. I'm looking at it. It looks pretty interesting. It's called Who Was Karl Mar- Marx? The Men, the Motives, and the Menace, very appropriate for Halloween, behind uh, today's rampaging American left. Well, that's interesting. Well, Jim, good. And next time you see Sean, uh, give him uh, give him our best. Uh, I've never met him in person, but he seems like a great guy. He is a great guy. All right. Um, you, are you familiar with this game? Have you heard it a couple of times? Never heard of it. Okay. Very simple. Very simple. Yeah. We're going to ask you 10 trivia questions. And you're going to have 60 seconds to answer them. The timer is going to begin as soon as I ask you the first question. Now, um, if you get a question right, as I imagine you're going to get most of them right, we're going to move right on to the second question so that we can make our way through all of these. If you get a question wrong, you'll hear the incorrect buzzer and you will lose. Okay? Okay. Sounds simple enough, right? Sure. The key is not to get nervous, but a pro like you, I don't suspect that you will. Okay. <laughs> All right, Jim. Um, yeah. What is something that you sit on? Chair. Name a U.S. state that's not part of the continental United States. Alaska. What billionaire recently purchased Twitter? Elon Musk. What is the name of Baltimore's NFL team? Ravens. What candy bar shares its name with a galaxy? Mars. What are the names of the Super Mario Brothers? Oh, gosh, I don't know. No idea. One is the same as his last name. Okay, Mario, Mario. Right, and and any idea the other one starts with an L? Leo. Leo. No, I'm sorry. All right, you've made it up to question six. Uh, It's um, Luigi, Mario and Luigi. 
Mario and Luigi. <laughs> Those are the kinds of things I just don't know. Ah, uh, well, okay, all right. Well, you did very all well, right. Jim. Jim, I'm going to put you on hold and uh, give your information to Kenneth. We're going to send you a consolation prize, okay? Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks yeah, lot, and again, uh, we'll encourage oh, hey, everybody. Let me tell you. Yeah. Let me talk in. I used to really like uh, candy corn, but you know, like everything else, it's gotten cheaper. It used to have a better consistency, and it wasn't as sweet. Now it's more like this sandy consistency. It's much cheaper. It's like everything. You know, they, they don't use as good uh, quality uh, ingredients as they used to. But I used to like them a lot. Well, so here's what I wonder, Jim. So you're saying they actually they actually changed the candy corn formula, and now it so. doesn't taste as good. Right, I think so. Well, it's. I wonder if. That's actually true because I can belo- I can believe that I can absolutely yeah. believe that. Or I, because you were a child when you ate it, mm-hmm. that maybe yeah. you're just viewing those days through the prism of nostalgia, and you're picturing having a good time as a child, going and getting mm-hmm. candy, and maybe in your brain it just tastes better than it do- does now. Could be, but I don't think so. I think they use better ingredients and all. Candies and things like that years ago. Interesting. You know, ways, all those. I think they just use better ingredients. You may be right, Jim. Jim, I'm going to put you on hold. Uh, give Kenneth your information, and we'll send you uh, a, a prize of some sort, okay? Thanks, Frank. Thanks. Call again, please. Um, it, there was a question that got wrong before that. What? So you asked the question, what candy bar shares its name with a galaxy? He said Milky Way. No, he said Mars. Did he say Mars? Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure he said Mars. I heard Milky Way. We'll have to go back and listen. Yeah, I, thought, right. he, I well, thought he said Mars. He just said he said Mars. Oh, he said Mars? He did say Mars. Jeez. Oh, boy. Good. I'm yeah. glad we have it's you guys good. here to keep these contestants honest. But, yeah, okay. The answer was Milky Way. And that would. I'm glad we got that straightened out. And uh, Mars is not a galaxy, lest anyone be fooled. All right. Uh, 800-848-9222. Uh, it's one 800 Two two Pete on Staten Island has been holding a while. Hello, Pete. Good morning, Frank. Oh, you brought up the Ouija board and you explained the whole origins of it. I was glued to the phone. When I was a teenager, there was these three girls. One girl was 22, one girl was 17, they were, and one was 18. They were all sisters. Oh. And in the backyard, we used to go over and play in the bottle. And then all of a sudden, they brought out this game, the Ouija board. So I looked at it, and I says, I'd rather play spin the bottle, but it's <laughs> game. So, but here's the crazy, ironic part. I'm not saying that it's really connected, but all four, well, actually, there was six of us that played. The out of it, five of the people suffered tragic early deaths. Now, I'm not saying it's related, but one guy was sticking his head out to get a cigarette by Egbert High School, and he got his head decapitated oh, my by goodness. the bus. That was one. Another one had a cerebral hemorrhage. Uh, two of the other girls, one girl had uh, some kind of uh, cancer and died, but all of them died. Now, I'm not saying it was related, but I would not 
touched that thing. And then to this day, I looked it up while you were talking, and Walmart sells it. They average from $25 to $45, a range of where you get it, you know. But uh, I would not get one for the yeah. life of me. Oh, boy, I would say no. so. Hey, uh, thank yeah. you, Pete. Appreciate you sharing that. Happy yeah. Halloween. Hey, you know what else happened today? I didn't realize this. Today, in 1864, Nevada became the 36th U.S. state. So big shout-out to uh, all of our listeners on the Nevada Talk Radio Network. So uh, there you have that. I did not know that. And today is also the, the birthday of Robert Van Winkle. Do you know who Robert Van Winkle is? No, he's not Rip Van Winkle's brother. Robert Van Winkle is better known as Vanilla Ice. That's right. Vanilla Ice, his birthday today. So that, that that's that. Also, in terms of people I know uh, who are celebrating a birthday today, it is um, Mark Goldman, the... PR specialist birthday today. Jennifer Borquavis, who is um, a interesting person who's been on the show once in a while. And uh, Kitty Samuels. She, she's a wonderful young woman. And uh, also uh, my friend Mary Alice. Mary Alice Sexton. It's her birthday today as well. So happy birthday and happy Halloween to all of you. 800-848-9222. Ron is in Michigan. Hello, Ron. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. Frank, there is a, a sugar subsidy, and it goes mainly to, I think it's like two Cuban exile brothers. who I, I'm not sure if they own Bacardi rum, too, but they own, like, all the sugar uh, processing and sugar cane factories, sugar cane mills and stalks in uh, Florida and Louisiana. So there is that. And, uh, you know, I like to denounce somebody who, who brought fruit, high fructose corn syrup into the, uh, into the world and still calls it a food. His name is uh, Orion Samuelson. He's a retired farm reporter for uh, WGN. And he has contributed, in my opinion, to millions of people's deaths due to high fructose corn syrup being put into every kind of food, which led to uh, diabetes for millions and millions of people. So... Uh, and, uh, well, you there know, you go, Ron. Uh, we do denunciations on Friday, but, hey, that's your prerogative. Hey, uh, I did want to mention, before we get out of here, do you know what one of the most famous haunted houses in the United States is? One of the most famous haunted houses in the United States is the White House. And there's a long history of hauntings at the White House. Uh, 1946, Harry Truman went to bed at 9 p.m., and about six hours later, he hears knock, knock, knock. The sound against his bedroom door awakened him. He wrote to his wife in a letter that's archived in the Presidential Library Museum. He jumps up, puts on his bathrobe, opens the door. No one there. Went out, looked up and down the hall, looked in um, all sorts of rooms. No one there. Then uh, Abraham Lincoln used to have seances. 
at the White House. And Abe apparently would get regular visits in ghost form from his son, Willie, who died in 1862 at the age of 11. And a lot of other stories of presidents and first ladies who have haunted the White House. Uh, Winston Churchill. He had just stepped out of a hot bath at the Lincoln bedroom in 1942. And he looked up. Who did he see? Abraham Lincoln. Now, we know Winston Churchill had a fondness for martinis. So I don't know if that was Lincoln speaking or the martini, but it certainly was interesting. Reagan commented that his dog would go into any room except the Lincoln bedroom. So it is interesting. Um, Colleen Shogan, senior vice president and director of the Rubenstein Center, spoke on the White House Historical Association's YouTube channel about some of the ghosts at the White House. Why does the White House have so many ghost stories attached to it? Well, I think there's three explanations for that. The first is in the American literary tradition, the most frequent setting for ghost stories is houses. And since the White House is perhaps the most famous residence or home in the United States, it makes sense that it has a number of ghost stories attached to it. The second explanation is that ghost stories in all cultural traditions are usually emanate from true historical stories of tragedy, injustice, or unfinished business. And what a better place than the White House to provide good fodder for those types of ghost stories. And the third explanation, I'll refer back to Occam's razor, which is the principle that usually the simplest explanation is the best explanation. So perhaps the reason why there's so many ghost stories from the White House is because the White House is actually haunted. Other side of midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. of giving you an opportunity to be heard for 15 seconds. 800-848-9222. It is time for... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Faith. Neil! Yes, take all the candy that Carmine collects and throw it in the garbage. I just buy a bag of candy to give to him. I wouldn't trust candy from anybody. Mike! Tomorrow, Frank, um... You know, I'm down in Myrtle Beach, and I don't flirt with every girl, but I can tell when a girl's giving me the eyeball, I give her the eyeball. And uh, conversational, I call it foreplay. And if it gets beyond that, uh, like like you mentioned, 
it might turn into conversational intercourse, which is all right with me. Victor! You know, if Washington, D.C. is ever granted statehood, it will be the only state without a city or a state capital which will render it nothing more than a state of mind. Mike! Good morning, Frank. Frank, don't mess with Ouija boards. You might open doors that can't be closed. Sarah! Oh, this story is much too long for 15 seconds. Uh, Have a wonderful Halloween. Thank you. Call back tomorrow. Call back tomorrow. We'll we'll chat more. Fred! Hey, Frank, shocking disclosure. Nancy Pelosi's husband was a big fan of Peter, Paul, and Mary. If I had a hammer! Oh, boy. Charles! You're a mean man. Keeping people on hold for hours and hours and hours. I'm coming up tonight, and I want to be a guest on your show. Hey, well, we only have a minute left, so you better hurry. Daniel! Uh, My favorite candy has caramel in it for Halloween, if you want to send me some. Hey, unfortunately, Daniel, my candy budget is stretched to the, match, uh, to the max. Uh, on that note, we will end it there. Uh, and uh, we will return tomorrow. we got some interesting things planned for tomorrow. Uh, Gerald Salente, I believe, is slated to join. No, no, no. Mark Shaw. We're going to talk about the JFK assassination tomorrow. Have a great Halloween. Uh, give those full-size candy bars out to the trick-or-treaters. If you're trick-or-treating, have fun. Uh, if you're a child, don't engage in any mayhem. Be careful. Frank Moreno, good day. Good day.